No. What's your least favorite scary movie? The podcast where we talk about the good, bad, ugly, and absurd of all of our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base. Oh, even if we don't get it. <laughs> my name is Travis. <laughs> my name is Jesse. And today we're joined by Mike Thompson <laughs> to talk about the Changeling. But first, before we do that, Jesse, do we have any announcements? Um, no. Other than I'm not sick anymore, but like really not sick anymore. Not just at the end of quarantine. Also, what was that intro? I thought you were like, what did you not have anything from the what movie? What fucking quote am I supposed to? Oh, sad piano music. No, like, what? How like, was I supposed to intro it? Um, metal. The, the metal is mine. I don't know. Whatever. Like, was, you can say something that the kids said. Just sad. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Except I don't okay, sound yeah, enough yeah. like Bob, so. Yeah, yeah. All right, well. If we don't have any announcements, um, we got poll results. We got poll results. We got, we got double got, poll results. Yeah, double polls because, um, yeah, we didn't have them since we had the whole uh, issue of not being able to record our Halloween episode. Yeah, so we, we didn't went have a anything. little rogue with our schedule. It's all good. I've got them right here. Okay, so we'll start off with the Halloween one first. Okay. So for the Halloween one, we did um, which Halloween movie has the most awkward breakfast scene? <laughs> and that's something that you've picked up on as we've yes. covered these. It's a proud uh, Halloween tradition. Yeah, all and right. Comfortable breakfast. And Mike, we'll ask you to weigh into if you uh, have <laughs> any opinions. I don't know how. Like, uh, are you like very familiar with all of the Halloween movies? Um, yeah, most of them. I mean, the the stuff like between four and like H two O. Um, I'm less familiar with, but um, oh, okay. yeah, for the most part, yeah. All right. Well, I got two of them from uh, Halloween 4 and Halloween 6, so let's just go ahead and get them. So the breakfast scene from Halloween 4, which is the one where Rachel tells Jamie that she's not her sister. And she's the reason <laughs> that she's never going to get married and have kids of her own. Yeah, and the reason she'll be fat when she grows up, too, mm -hmm. apparently. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Halloween 6, the one where Danny pulls the knife on After the dad. After the dad dunks his own tie <laughs> in the coffee and blames it on his wife. And he slaps uh, the girl, too. Yeah, slaps his daughter, which is why Danny pulls the knife on him. No, the reason Danny pulls the <laughs> knife on him is because the man in black is telling him to. That's in the producer's cut. That's not in... No, I think Danny just knows that uh, Grandpa is a piece of shit. I like that, though. <laughs> I like that they kind of edited it to make it look like that. Um, all right, next we have Halloween 2007, the Rob Zombie version, uh, the one with Lori taking the bagels and just kind of putting them on her boobs and making moaning sounds. Yeah, well, she also finger fucks the bagel. Does she? You oh, shit, she you does. You can't forget the finger fucking. Uh, I didn't. I come, No, I did forget about that. The thing that stood out to me was the bagel boobs. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, there's no nipples, and that's the true body horror. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's right. <laughs> All right. And uh, Halloween 2018, um, the peanut butter on the penis scene. All right. So on Instagram, 24% chose Halloween 4. 14 chose Halloween 6. 24 chose Halloween 2007, and 38% chose the peanut butter penis. Uh, over to Twitter. <laughs> that one is a little bit more split. Um, it's 58% uh, the Rob Zombie Halloween bagel boob one, and then 42% is the peanut butter penis. 
I guess like the crowds just can't handle the very real family drama of uh, slapping some women around and a small boy pulling a knife out on his grandfather. Yeah, that one is, I would say that one's <laughs> definitely the most uncomfortable because yeah. like somebody almost died. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't really say that yeah. about any of the other ones. The other one, like, yeah, I agree that it's really awkward for you to hear your dad say, I got peanut butter on my penis. I don't think that that would not be comfortable. That's more comical though. Cause like, yeah, it, it's not like, I don't think that that's like, to me, it sounds like, I, I feel like the one in four is the one that's like the roughest because you're just kind of like inflicting all of this unnecessary trauma onto somebody else. <laughs> um, somebody whose mom died like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and her, I, whose I mom just... was the final girl of the franchise and dies in this horribly like unceremonious way just to keep <laughs> the sequels going. But then you get <laughs> just this like horrific amount of, it, it also to me is sort of a less, like it's not a stereotype as much as some of the other ones are, you know, like the peanut butter penis is like a, a fucking comic relief that, that clearly is something that Danny McBride threw into the script. And then, yeah, I think it's a shame that the scary movies aren't still going because they could so parody that. The like, peanut butter penis scene. Yeah, you think that they would do something for that right there? Yeah, they would do like, something with you Shorty know John says Wayne. Something about he's got peanut butter on his penis, and then they pull back, and he's just got like his dick in the jar of peanut ah, butter you, or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it would be it would be like Sean Wayne's character, right? Because he's always the one doing the weird shit. Like he's the one that like bangs the clown doll under the bed in the, the second one <laughs> you know what oh, i mean yeah. like he's always the one doing the weird like, dick stuff so it would totally be him you know? <laughs> yeah those movies are great. oh my god the first <laughs> two are just um, amazing like you can just rewatch those all the time especially like because the second one is such a blend of like a parody of the haunting mixed with like hollow man <laughs> it also a has a, a changeling reference in it too does it yeah like the the basketball drops down the stairs and oh, they yeah. all start like doing the Nike Mr. commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I've never thought about that. <laughs> all right. And next up we have the American Psycho poll. Uh, I just wanted to know which of the business cards you preferred. Uh, so uh, Instagram, 50% chose Patrick Bateman's. Uh, 9% chose Timothy Bryce. 36% chose Paul Allen. And 5% chose David Van Patten. Uh, Twitter, hmm. 50% Patrick Bateman, 0 Timothy Bryce, 40% Paul Allen, 10% David Van Patten. And write in nomination for Carruthers, Lewis. From Tucker. The, uh, did you wait? You're no, doing that's it? me. That's, oh, that's well, we my. Got two then because, oh, no, because Tucker, <laughs> he, uh, the guy that did the long review that Jesse did, Huey Lewis in the news too, he, he said that Lewis is, I mean, yeah. he wrote that in too. So we got two for that. All right. I don't know what percentage that would be, but it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to go with Patrick Bateman's because it's uh, it's more bold. Like I don't know, I, I just like it. It's more appealing to me. Okay. Yeah. So my my like formal education is graphic design. <laughs> oh um, boy. Before like filmmaking, and so it, the funny thing about this poll is that to me, all of those cards look exactly the same. They do. Um, because that was sort of the joke uh part of well not even that it was just part of like the 80s design aesthetic but it was also uh, sort of indicative of, of wall street and corporate where their cards were never really about the the uh, the look of them they were always just kind of like how clean can it be with just the most minimal look to it and um 
it, it was more about like how expensive was my paper stock and and what typesetting did it have to have and things like that yeah and for me the one that's sort of the cleanest i think is is paul allen's and that's but but also like i like the write-in of like lewis's because there's a reason why they're you know patrick gets like visibly upset <laughs> about their, <laughs> their business cards because he knows that there's cost more and that was really it has nothing to do with like aesthetic it's more or less about oh i spent more money on my paper stock no you're you know? you're very um, right because i'm looking at them right now um all of them have like a texture i was gonna say i want to touch van patten's yeah and uh, his definitely has the most texture to it uh you know that's like inset type you know yeah. like you can touch it it's yeah. gonna go in yeah it's totally <laughs> you know letter letter press type and stuff and uh but at the same time, like I like Patrick's, and it has nothing to do with the card. It's the fact that his his paper stock color is called Bone. Yeah, and <laughs> that's his, that's hysterical, and it's such a subtle joke. But you know the fact. That, I mean, that movie's full of those. You know, like you can watch that movie two hundred times and catch another little like dark nugget in there somewhere. But when when he when they go like, oh, the color's cool. And he says, yeah, it's bone. And it's like hilarious because you're just sitting there going, oh, right, because it kills people. <laughs> you know? So that would be his paper stock. And that means he didn't choose it based on anything other than the fact that it was called that. You know, it's just like a weird insight into him um, in just this real quick two-second line. That movie is so fucking layered. The yes. more like you like think about oh, it, yeah. just things just keep coming out. And it's funny, too, because like, I've read that book and the movie far you know, outweighs the book in terms of like the book just gets kind of gross. That's um, why, yeah, yeah I've, I haven't <laughs> read it, but I heard all about it on the last episode. I So like I read that book. I remember that movie came out when I was probably like a sophomore in high school or something. And then being like, oh, well, I want to read that book. And um, I had read another Brad Easton Ellis book called Less Than Zero, which is not at all like, American Psycho in any way, shape, or form. And so I thought, oh, well, I mean, it'll be fucked up and it'll be like the movie, but it, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And then I remember reading it the first time and I was like a junior in high school and I, I put it down. Like I, I, at one moment, like one of the kills, I was like, this is just gross. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah. And then you have pair that with Brett Easton Ellis's like bio and the fact that he didn't go to Harvard, but he went to Yale and he worked on Wall Street and stuff like that in the 80s. And you're kind of like... Oh, that's funny. I didn't know I that. get it that this is a perspective maybe of just what he experienced working there. And he's trying to like, comment on the fact that like this could happen within those circles because of how like vapid those people are and blah, blah, blah. But then you're also like the amount of detail in that book. You're like, dude, did you do this shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember like thinking that. And every time I'm just kind of like, what if he's like a fucking... That's the whole point. Is he was a serial killer on Wall Street that got away with it. And, nobody knew you know? i like that um, theory <laughs> it's such a weird weird thing and i don't know that it, it just might be my weird brain analyzing it that way but yeah well speaking of your weird brain mike do you want to yeah. tell people who you are and what you do <laughs> yeah yeah that tracks that's a good idea um, my name's obviously mike thompson uh and i'm a filmmaker based in the the louisville area primarily what i do is uh, I've I've done three short films too, which are horror thrillers. One's called Iris, and one's called Threshold. And then I also have kind of a sci-fi drama love story thing. I, I never know what to call that one, but it's called Blackbird. 
Um, and outside of that, I do uh, music videos and commercials, um, you know, just to kind of keep my brain sharp and to make money, obviously, while, while, while I'm waiting for the, the call to the, the, big, the big leagues. Um, but yeah, and then outside of that, I'm just like very passionate about cinema. So I, I try to write articles about different things when I can or share movies that I like and discuss movies and it's like you know my whole speaking of my weird brain like it, it's just what my my brain has always gravitated to as a kid so yeah you uh, did a pretty intense series of uh clips for October yeah for that the, was so cool yeah, yeah 31 different horror movies <laughs> yeah that was like a thing that I I had wanted to do for a really long time as sort of like a weird nod to deep cuts not necessarily stuff that was so deep that people hadn't seen it because it can be come across as a little bit pretentious and then you start picking movies that aren't necessarily good They're, you're just saying like oh how weird is this movie that you've never seen it how cool am i that i know what it is you yeah. know? um but yeah it was i had to come up with uh obviously 31 of them and i didn't realize how intense that was going to be until i started it and then me myself and my business partner slash the director of photography that I work with, um, Tommy Johns, we just went to the studio one day and knocked them all out in a couple hours. Um, and then I was just cutting them every day when I woke <laughs> up to, to get them out. So. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for talking about this because I, I, those were a lot of fun. I, I want to figure out a way to do it with other genres and other things to try. Um, and see where where I can land on it, but I'm please, still a little please do some Hallmark up. ones for Christmas. Oh God, Come on, dude. Mike. Hallmark. <laughs> I, I would. So that's the thing is like, I, you I could record like, oh, one funny. video and just change out the name because they're all the same. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's what I, I'm saying is like because they make a lot of those here <laughs> like in, uh, in Kentucky, and uh, and so like so many. Uh, so many friends of mine have have either worked on those or whatever because for a while that was kind of the only thing that was coming in um, for film production and so between Hallmark or like Lifetime movies that's that's sort of what the Kentucky film industry's bread and butter is like Joe Stockton the co-writer that I work with um, most of his sound design and like composing work that he deals with (laughs) comes from that hell yeah Um, I can't wait to talk to him about that yeah Oh man, he'll he'll every like because I'll text him st- like notes about scripts or something, and and I'll and he'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this, 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 and this. So I got to get this just two lifetime movies that have to go out by the end of the week. <laughs> and we're doing like QC, and I'm like, how many of those do you think you do a year? And he was like, I mean, at least like ten. Do they pump that shit out? It. They do, and I love it. Well, I love it. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's sort of crazy too because they have it. Uh, I dealt with that. Like I was almost contracted to write and direct one, um, like a lifetime, like nice, thriller. Yeah. Uh, because, and they came to me and I was like, I don't understand why you're coming to me for this. Like, at all. <laughs> and, uh, and they literally, I'm not shitting you. They handed me there where they emailed me these PDFs because what it is, they have them pre distributed. And, and so this, this, I think they're, it's a French company bought basically pays pre pre-pays for the distribution rights um like half a million or, or close to it or 400k or something like that and then they hire directors and writers and they make you they give you like a template <laughs> for the movie like they give you this thing that says like oh it's gotta have 
a female character and she's got to get in trouble. And, and I imagine it's then, like, like an ad lib. Like you just kind of fill in the blanks. No, no, no. It's like a mad lib. It's like what happens to make her, you know, be in danger. She has to be, somebody has to die close to her 15 pages in like, in, in, <laughs> and I, I was really dumb and I thought, oh, well I can take the idea of making like a female led thriller and turn it into like a Gillian Flynn novel, you know, like sharp objects or gone girl or something. And then, the more that we got through the process, I was like, yeah, this is not going to happen. And I'm just not interested. <laughs> and, and then, you know, they give you like 13 days to shoot it and they pay the, the crew nothing. And then it's, it's, it's kind of gnarly. It's a weird sort of like cottage industry that they've created. So it's like, um, I understand why those movies are like they are now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I'd like to, get a little bit more inside knowledge on that. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's a trip. I, could, I think I've still got the documents. I can just send them to you. <laughs> Dude, we can make our own movie. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, you can seriously read this and be like, hey, I forget what the company was, but you'd be like, hey, French company, like we made, you know, like this and here you go and they'll be like sweet it's going on lifetime and we're gonna give it some terrible title like instant famous danger or something you know like it's always it's weird i'll see like the working titles for them on the slate and then when it comes out it's always something like that you know it's like like babysitter neighborhood danger you know you're just kind of like oh, are you just gonna tell me the plot of the movie and the title <laughs> like, is that all, this is? all right so we're talking about the changeling today. Yeah. So let's get into yeah. some changeling action right here. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So the changeling came out March 28th, 1980. We watched this on Shudder. Daddy Shudder. <laughs> it's available in the United States for streaming on Peacock, AMC Plus, Voodoo, Tubi, Shudder, Screenbox, and Plex. Got a lot of options. A lot of them free, a lot of them paid. Whatever you want to do. I don't fucking care. Um, got you can rent it from Amazon, YouTube, Vudu, um, Apple, all that stuff for like one ninety nine. So cheap if you do want to pay for it. It's almost so. a dollar a minute for, for yeah. me, <laughs> <laughs> or a cent a minute. I mean, bad math. It's okay. I, I, I was like, God, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, all right, so. Story was by Russell Hunter with a screenplay by William Gray and wait, Diana wait, Maddox. wait, 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 wait. Yeah, the guy that wrote the story is named Russell. Uh huh. Yeah. And the main character's name is John Russell. Yeah, yeah. I know. I got. I made that connection too. <sighs> okay. Uh, <laughs> it was directed by Peter Maddock. Um, he was the third choice because the two <laughs> previous directors before this quit due to creative differences. Creative differences with who? Um, the producers, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's always who calls. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, they he had a really small window to like review and revise the script before he had to go shooting it, so that, it was kind of like a time crunch. Uh, music is by Rick Wilkins, and special effects we have Gene Grigg, Michael Clifford, Barry Madden, and William Orr. This movie is starring George C. Scott as John Russell. Uh, that guy's got an intimidating face. Yeah, he's he's just intimidating in general. His voice too. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like the um, um, the only other yeah, thing I've seen him in is uh, The Exorcist Three, and he's great in that. But I can't. He's really... kind of great in everything. You know, he's in that. He's in Patton. Um, 
the he's the voice of the poacher and like the rescuers down under like he's oh he's just a very notable dude that's uh really good at being sort of gruff and and, and everything like that which is you know we can get into it obviously when we start talking about it, but it's what i i kind of love about this movie that his performance is very soft he yeah. kind of um, makes me think of, of Tobin Bell in that his facial expressions don't really change at all, yet he's still a good actor. That's true. You know, you're right. See, I don't know. I think there's so much stuff in this movie that his facial expressions sell you the moment versus the the stuff when he's, you know, raising his voice or screaming or something, you know? Um, ah, we'll get into yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Trish Van Dever plays Claire. Okay. Um, those two were actually married. You, you guessed it. I didn't know that, but I looked it up, and yeah, they were married mm-hmm. during this. Uh, Melvin Douglas plays Senator Carmichael, and uh, what a fucking Aww, name this he is. He looks like a Melvin. A Mel- yeah, he does look like a Melvin. <laughs> uh, Voldy Way <laughs> plays Joseph Carmichael. Uh, that's all I got for the cast, because those are the only people I think are really important other than like the detective guy but he's barely in the I movie think I mean, mini huxley yeah, i feel he's like on she's screen important. for five minutes you know yeah he's these are the main players here basically all right so this movie has a budget of 7.6 million canadian dollars which oh shit i didn't do budget or bug ted fuck Bugted. It's Bugted. Yeah, my <laughs> bad. All right. Yeah, uh, 7.6 million which in US currency would be 5.7 Okay. Um, today that would have been like twenty five million Canadian, so it might have been budget for the time. Well, that's why we have the three other movies to compare it to. Exactly. So, oh yeah, it uh, it grossed twelve million, and it has a seven point two on IMDb. Jesse, this movie is a classic, whether you want to admit it or not. People <laughs> love this movie. So I got three movies that came out in nineteen eighty to compare it to. Mm-hmm. First up, The Shining. Okay. Which is kind of similar thematically, you know, another like haunted giant building. I went okay, you know, you, you know what? We're going to be talking about the shining in a few weeks and I we'll know. go into that then. I'm just going to say you're wrong <laughs> thematically. Not... They are not similar. Okay, sure, sure, but like it's close, you know. There's snow in that broad, too. broad strokes, big haunted place, <laughs> bad things Thank going you. on that bring people there. Mike gets me. You know, haunted building, go. mad right. sad dad ghost yeah dude i'm telling you yeah, i mean because technically you know like uh you could pair we which detail wise is different but like a haunted house movie is a haunted house movie especially one that's in this sort of like very goliath structure yeah. you know um that you can almost get lost in so uh that one came out june 13th 1980 with a budget of 19 million yes a uh, worldwide gross of forty-seven million. Sounds about right. This is the highest IMDb score I've seen for a movie yet. Eight point four. Wowie. That is really crazy because I feel like people, even classics, people shit on them um, on IMDb. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty fucking good. Next up, this is a movie that I haven't seen, but it is Dario Argento's Inferno. I'm surprised there's an Argento <laughs> movie out there that you haven't seen. This one, I think, um, I think it's meant to be like a, uh, not like an actual true sequel, but like a spiritual sequel to Suspiria. Mm-hmm. It's pretty direct. I mean, that whole like Suspiria and uh, Inferno, and then like Mother of Tears is like a trilogy specifically about the different 
covens and, and heads of the, you know, like the first one's mother's like Suspiriorum or something like that. And then Inferno, I forget what her name is. And then the third one's Mother of Tears. And that's like a 90s movie, early 2000s. I don't remember. But yeah, um, I enjoy Inferno. I, it's like kind of one of those weird, it's weird because Suspiria has a plot and Inferno's is like, it kind of exists. Like you're like, okay, I mean, there's kind of a plot, but the rest of it is strictly just to be visual and horrifying as opposed to the rest. That kind of, of sounds on par with Argento. Mm-hmm. A lot of his like plots yeah. are kind of very loose. It's really visual stuff. Yeah, it's just like watching a dream, pretty much. I mean, even Suspiria is like that to a certain point. Yeah. Um, all right, that one came out April 2nd with a budget of $3 million. Okay. Grossed $1.6 million and has a 6.5 on IMDb. Okay, that all tracks That's for right. Argento. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the final is one that I'm really mad at myself for not having watched it yet because I feel like I would love this movie, but it is The Fog. Oh, yeah, you would love this movie. You've seen it? Yeah. Okay. I. It's what? The, the Fog? Yeah. Like John Carpenter's The Fog? Yeah, I have not seen it. I need to watch it. I, oh, it's been on man. my radar for a long time, and I just never hit play. I don't know why. I don't have an answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having to explain you myself like to everybody. You feel super attacked right now. I, I, I am attacked. Yes. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't even attacking. I was just like, I missed it, and I was confirming. <laughs> okay, I thought you were like, what the fuck? It was the most incredulous tone, though. <laughs> well, okay. No, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just sound like that. No, no well, I attacked myself with this one too because I I love John Carpenter, and I've heard so many good things about this movie that I'm really mad at myself that I haven't watched it. Yeah, because I know that I would love this movie. You would. Um, that's um, I have a weird take that that's my favorite John Carpenter movie. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be mad about that. I mean, obviously Halloween's mine, but like, I know, like, he's got a lot of good shit out there. Like, he's kind of take your pick. Yeah. You know, it could be. Yeah. 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 Uh, that one came out February first with a budget of one point one million, uh, grossed twenty one point three million, and has a six point eight on IMDb. Okay. All right, guys. Y'all ready for some taglines? <laughs> I got four of them. Yeah, oh, let's God. see yeah. what this movie came I up love with. a good like, 70s, 80s horror tagline. They're the best. Dude, this one, the taglines on this one are just weird. Uh, okay, this <laughs> one, the one that's on the poster is a direct quote from the movie. It's, um, how did you die, Joseph? Did you die in this house? How do you, re- why do you remain? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is not a tagline yeah it's not mean? but like, like, it's like that's bizarre yeah it's right there on the poster and yeah it's strange to me that it doesn't that's not something that would grab me personally no not at all next up is i think a complete total lie but you know to each their own um an experience beyond total fear yeah i think that's not overselling i just think it's leading you into a movie that is not that you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, establishing that it's going to be like The Exorcist or something, or you know, exactly. It's, it's not meant to be that kind of movie, and it's just hyperbole. It's a know? it's a haunting type movie, but like I don't think the whole point of this movie is to try and scare you with the haunting. You know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a part of the story. Really. Yeah, yeah. All right, next up, two people live in this house. One of them has been dead for seventy years. That one's okay. It's still wordy, uh, but it's okay. It, his body isn't even at that house. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's living there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, mm, 
Okay. <laughs> it's just like film marketing. Film marketing is the worst thing in the world. Um, if you, you know, like the way that they try to bait people into watching certain movies and then that's what leads people to get, they acted like this is going to be the most terrifying thing yeah. ever. And I'm like, I fucking hate this because it bored me or something. And it's like, would it have bored the person if you didn't give them this setup to like expect something? Because yeah. I've had that, you know, where somebody was like, bro, that movie's like scariest thing I've ever seen. And I watch it and I'm like, it was good. I wouldn't say it was the scariest thing I've ever seen, but that's subjective to you. You know what I mean? That's but true. it's always, yeah. It's sort of, it's like um, the good example is like it comes at night and that movie came out and everybody thought it was this like zombie movie or a creature movie or something like that in the woods. And I didn't really, I know better than to have like expectations about what something is and prefer to go in blind when I can. And I watched that movie and like loved it. And everybody that I talked to that said they didn't like it was like, uh, I mean, it was fine. It just like the trailer acted like it was a monster or something and it wasn't a monster. And it was like, okay, so you dislike it because you thought it was something else from the trailer or because it was actually not good. Uh, you know, it's just, just, just strange. I, I agree with you. I like to go in blind with movies. Um, I'm just going to say the thing that uh, pissed me off the most recently about that type of shit was Halloween ends. They build it as this giant showdown between Lori and Michael, and then that's like five minutes of the final. We got counterpoint. We got none of that. The yeah. Barbarian trailer. You thought it was just going to be Skarsgård being Skarsgård, yeah. and then it was a wild one, fucking ride. See, that was a thing though. Like the, I liked that that trailer didn't reveal anything because we were forced to watch it because we went to the movies. But you and I both saw that trailer and were like, we don't. Like that. This yeah, just doesn't I look had no desire to watch it, and then people were like, "Hey, this movie's pretty scary," and we we're like, "Huh, we got a couple hours to kill." Yeah. And now it's my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's amazing yeah. Movie. I mean, and then it, well, that and they were running like dual trailers where it was like the one with her, um, what's her name, Georgina Campbell, like going in and you thinking that like Skarsgård was weird and. Because that's and how he gets typecast, and, and for a good reason, he plays that character well. Yeah, yeah he could be a creep. Like, the first thing we really knew him from was it, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and then, but then there was a parallel trailer running on social media and stuff where it was just Justin Long. See, I didn't even know and Justin so, Long was in the movie until I watched it. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, we're getting yeah. Justin Long? <laughs> yeah, and so, like, I watched that going, well, that looks, you know, interesting. And then I saw a trailer with Justin Long in it, and I was like wait, what? There's two people that go into this tunnel? Like, I don't, I was like, oh, this movie's gonna be fucking weird. I just wanna say, though, I am very fucking annoyed at all of the people on social media calling Justin Long, like, a scream king, and specifically quoting Barbarian and Tusk as examples of it, because he's a shitty person in both movies, and he learns no lessons. The only movie where Justin Long oh, is a good right, person yeah. is he's got two of them. He's got Drag Me to Hell and mm-hmm. um, Jeepers Creepers. He's a good person. Jeepers Creepers, yeah. He's he gets he gets the worst in Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, like yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I forget how much of a piece of shit he is in Tusk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. If he wasn't, if he hadn't like, traveled to Canada like, to specifically make fun of people, yeah. he wouldn't have been in that situation. Yeah, I'm not people. saying he deserved it. I'm just saying. No, I know. He sucked. I mean, I kind of do. Like, I think <laughs> like the whole the whole setup with it is that, like, when, if you go chasing things like that and sort of making mockeries out of other people's lives and everything like that, you know, if karma or whatever you want to call it, like, subscribe to is that it's it's 
eventually going to bite you in the ass and his sort of selfishness and his like need for like vanity for that podcast and him using other people for it and stuff finally caught up to him because Dude. he came across the wrong fucking thing you know that's that's to me the best kind of horror story is wrong place at the wrong time that's why barbarian's so good yeah it's like i literally just rented a fucking airbnb for a job interview and this happened, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. God, dude, you know, it's like, how fucked up, like, how, how much more can you get wrong place um, at the wrong time than that, or, like, Texas Chainsaw, you know? I, I just want to say, I feel like Tusk should have ended with Haley Joel Osment uh, featuring him on the podcast. Yes! It should have ended yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would have been very rad. One more tagline. Okay. Whatever you do, don't go into the attic. <laughs> uh... I mean, that's I, a very seventies thing. Yes, because yeah. like, like, do you remember the joke like trailers on Grindhouse? Uh, like oh the, yeah, the, like Pilgrim and, and Edgar Wright is just called Don't. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because like, like that seventies movies were like, you know, don't. don't, don't look, you know, don't look now. Even though Don't Look Now is a fucking fantastic movie, like that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. But like, you know, Don't Look Now, don't, you know. Uh, the fucking shit what is the the movie about like the things in the walls they remade it it was like it's like these little creatures that live in the walls they remade it with katie holmes um um i have no clue it's ringing a bell i can't remember the name of it either though i'll figure it out it's just god that's gonna eat us. <laughs> you can search it if you want to <laughs> yeah uh, that's what i'm doing okay <laughs> well all right that's don't be afraid of the dark don't be afraid of the dark okay, that's what it's called. okay. yeah Okay, so got fun facts. Don't have a lot for this movie. It's not a very fun movie. No, no, um, it's not a fun movie. No. <laughs> uh, all right, so the screenplay for this was inspired by mysterious events that happened to Russell Hunter when he was staying at uh, Roger or Henry Treat Rogers' mansion. So, uh, according to him, he basically lived this movie. He um, found a hidden room. Uh, went in there, found an old diary from a uh, disabled boy whose parents kept him in isolation. And um, apparently he was guided by the spirit of the boy to another house where he discovered remains and a gold medallion with the boy's name on it. And that's what he says. Now, do any of you guys believe that? Um, I, I remember reading like the article about that and... I don't know. It, it's hard to say. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. You think I, that would be like a big um, thing, though, right? Like people would have like made a big deal about this. You know that I. Not, typically... I mean, not necessarily. Like I grew up like in a haunted house when I was a kid for like two years, and it was the most weird shit. Like to experience, like a lot of it, I don't even really remember because I was younger and and had to sort of be reminded of it by my mom. But you know, it wasn't any sort of crazy catastrophic uh news story or anything like that but it was sad you know it was like a really sad death and and we had weird things because of it you know what i mean so there's probably a lot of that kind of shit that happens that doesn't get the publicity that something like amityville does or something you know maybe people didn't believe him he's like i, I gotta make a fucking movie about this like i gotta tell my story oh to this day like if my mom tells somebody the stories that like of stuff that happened to us at our house like they're always like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody, yeah. nobody really believes it, and it's like, no, I mean, I remember that shit. It was weird. Yeah, um, I've had somebody at work tell me like ghost stories that happened to them 
this week too. Like, I mean, I believe in that type of stuff. You uh-huh. know, I do. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know. I would need to read more about like his personal story, other than, oh yeah, this exact thing happened to Dude, me. No, is- it was a movie. John yeah, Russell, yeah, that was no. him. You know his story. This is his story. He took yeah. down a senator, man. <laughs> yeah, like he like embellished it's weird. it. It's like, it's like, dude, you could have ended it with like, oh, I lived in this house and found this weird room, and there was like a kid's diary up there. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're like, yeah, I mean, that's enough to get going off something. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. It feels like he's embellishing his own history to mm. justify this movie. Like, and honestly, well, yeah. that's dumb on his part because you should be like, yeah, I found this diary and that was pretty creepy, so it got me to thinking. Like, yeah. then you sound more creative. Yeah. Yeah, because now you're just like, oh, I just made an autobiography. I didn't, I didn't actually create a story. You Which, know if I mean? you're going to write I, an I, autobiography, how would you make yourself the flattest character in it? <sighs> I, I just... <laughs> yeah, it's just... I, like I mean, him. maybe that's what he is. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, no, he's like brutally honest. He's like, I'm a boring guy. Like, look, I'm gonna like yeah. be real with you guys. But I took down the senator. The most interesting thing about me is I never sought therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the only other thing I have on this is uh, that mansion wasn't actually real. They um, they took yeah. two hundred thousand dollars and just built like this whole fake front to it. And like behind it's like this like just modern house. But uh yeah, all of that was just fake. And then the interiors are all just kind of like different rooms on a sound stage. And why did we have so many nearly pornographic pans of this house? Because they wanted they blew two hundred thousand dollars on it. They had to show it off. Okay. Yeah. I also I'm also a huge fan of that stuff and I copied it a lot in threshold. <laughs> <laughs> You talking about like not the shots of the outside? We, no, like shots of the inside because we couldn't do shot. We only have one shot of the exterior because it was this apartment building in Old Louisville, and it was like recessed into this. Uh, it was like it wasn't the street. It, it was like a corner, um, and so we had to fake some stuff. But the uh, you know a lot of the sort of creeping around the house shots with the dolly and stuff like that, and. Um, we didn't even realize we did it until like a couple months ago and I was rewatching it yeah. and I was like texted Joe immediately and I was like, Oh my God, dude, like it's just recessed in my mind. And we, and he goes, yeah, I'd realize that too, that we did that. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you come across that shit. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's all I got for fun facts. Okay. So, all right. So since we got all that out of the way, Let's go on into our pre-discussion thoughts and ratings. So okay. uh, we'll let Mike kick it off here. So Mike, tell us what you think about this movie. Because uh, I'm the minority, clearly. Um, I haven't said where I stand uh, yet. I, we all know where Jesse yeah, is. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so I absolutely, I would put this movie in like my top five horror movies. Um, I, I think I have a thing for like melancholy ghost story or most likely and it's got to be where that comes from but uh yeah i'm i'm a huge fan of this movie is it perfect no most movies are not um but i i would give it a solid like eight out of ten strictly based on performance production design sound design and the fact that every pretty much every haunted house movie that came out after this you can watch and go like holy shit that's from the changeling Mm. 
or it was at least somewhat loosely inspired by it and you can hear filmmakers like acknowledge that um so that's my short little uh blurb about it because i i literally like love this movie and i i watch it at least yearly just to go back through and sort of study certain things that they did with it in terms of like plotting and, and shots and stuff like that okay jesse do you want to go first or do you want me to go um i mean it's up to you what do you do you want me to go uh yeah go ahead i want to hear what you have to say about this okay um i'm gonna give it a two out of ten. Oh my god dude what I, I do not like this movie. <laughs> I might actually hate this movie. Oh my god, dude. Um the good, I do love I do love a haunting story. Mm-hmm. Um so on that end I think this movie had potential. However, there is not a single character decision that makes sense except for maybe the murderous, scheming, money-hungry father that's actually dead throughout the whole movie. We only ever see him in flashbacks. He's the only one who I actually understand his character motivation. Otherwise, nothing makes sense. Why the fuck is John in this mansion by himself? We could fit five of our houses inside of that mansion, and there's two of us plus three pets. Our cats have their own room in our three-bedroom house. John has 57 bedrooms. My favorite thing about that is like in this movie, he's only in like two rooms the entire time. <laughs> like that, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I don't I I don't understand anything about this movie. Why does he attack the senator at the end? The senator didn't kill anybody. The senator is desperately clinging to this idea of this father who he thinks is his real father, who, you know, even if even murder aside, sent this kid over to Sweden for most of his formative years just to pull him back. He was used his entire life. And John's like, by the way, you're a bad person because your dad killed a boy. Does he call him a bad person? Yeah, he calls him a changeling. Yeah, that's the other thing is I thought changeling was going to be some sort of supernatural term. Nope, that was just John's heavy hitter insult. That's like like an actual term. Changeling isn't necessarily a supernatural thing to begin with. It it is in like Irish culture, but a changeling literally just means like a child or a person that was another person. Yeah. I just like the way he comes at this guy who just had his whole life flipped upside down and then he dies of a heart attack while his spirit is also in the fire of the house. Like that's rude. It's awful. Well, I, I also I also think he knew. Like I think that's the point is that like he's aware of it the whole time. Like and doesn't want to give up his namesake. Mm, okay, see I didn't I, I, I didn't my get thing. that. That's why he that's why he calls the police and like has the police threaten him to like stop talking about it and stuff because if he if he truly believed that it was like inaccurate or that he was making this up or trying to blackmail him or something then why why do you send a detective to threaten somebody and then to me you know the ending when he walks up the stairs into the fire is like accepting that like his role in that and i think he knew his dad was shady but I don't think he wanted to know the full extent. I think he buried it deep down inside. He blocked it out. He was a child. He was a victim in all of this, too. Yes, he's a politician, so inherently he's bad. Mm. But, like, it just, I I do not like the way that this is addressed at all. Um, <laughs> right. We don't get any resolution with his grief. 
Uh-huh. Like, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I moved on to a new ghost child, and this woman that gave me a house she couldn't give me. I, like, we he doesn't actually seem to miss his wife at all, by the way. I get that the grief of losing a child is completely different from the grief of losing a spouse, but, like, he was just like, I was ready to drop that bitch anyway. I am <laughs> sad about Kathy, though. Um, I, <laughs> like, he doesn't I, really talk about her at all. No, right. he doesn't. I didn't even think I, about that. Uh, yeah, he does. He talks about it at the beginning. And that, that, that's what's interesting is that it's a very lean script and that it's like, uh, to me, like, you know, he talks about them at the beginning and, and he's got his moments and bouts of like depression and sadness and crying in the house. And then the reason that we see more of it to do with Kathy is because the ghost in the house is a child and the child is latching mm-hmm. on to Kathy's belongings and stuff, specifically, you know, the ball. And so that's why it gravitates towards the child side of things because then it's that's why the the ghost is able to latch onto him because because of like his grief specifically the 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 loss of the kids and that's the other thing too is this ghost kid it kind of makes me think of the ring you know where she thinks that she like solved the mystery and she put this poor child's soul at rest but no the the child's soul is just gonna keep fucking murdering people um joseph doesn't seem at all settled in the afterlife even once you know everything's been uncovered because what does he do he burns the fucking house down and then he plays his little music box at the end well, neither is, you know, whether you want to call her Sadako or like Samara, whichever version you're talking about. But, you know, the ring doesn't end with her being at peace. Like she comes and kills the, the ex Exactly. And then they have to, but they have to keep pushing the tape on. So it's like the same <laughs> sort of idea. She doesn't even get peace when her, she doesn't even give people peace when her murder is solved. Like at least, you know, the house burns down and we don't have to deal with it. Actually, they don't do that because then at the end, there's that whole thing where the music box starts playing. Mm-hmm. The house doesn't even burned down it fucking explodes (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's yeah that whole which is probably why they had to build that facade in that set because they had to burn it down so like i can appreciate the shots of this movie Uh i can appreciate the visual aspects of it um okay i do not like any of the story i don't feel like they do a good job building up the suspense or anything Mm -hmm. i just i this is it's a rough movie to sit through ugly i mean just the way grief is like uh oh well you can just project it onto other things and move on blah, blah, blah. that's not a good healthy message and then the absurd is um the fact that ghost joseph sounds just like bob from house by the cemetery <laughs> you're right dude he does sound like him <laughs> okay so that's it those are my thoughts on the movie okay. i really went into it. i did not like it the first time we watched it i went into it with an open mind with this um i still don't like it <laughs> i am very excited to hear the opinion of somebody who does really really love it because i understand that it is considered a classic and a lot of people have a lot of really positive feelings towards it and i am very interested to hear mm. more about where that comes from yeah, it's, it's safe Safe place here, man. Everybody, you can share your thoughts no matter how controversial. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I I love that about movie stuff because I know that there are movies specifically in the horror community, like on Twitter, that I even see where people are like, if you're a real horror fan, you'd watch this. And I'm like, I fucking hate that movie. (laughs) um, 
not even that because i'd be like i fucking hate it and i don't get it like i don't understand the love for it you know what i mean and it, that that's what's kind of beautiful about it is it's like it, it you know movies affect people differently when you saw it how you saw it you know stuff like that like yeah. we talked about that that one time about like the blair witch project yeah yeah um, i was thinking the same thing we were talking about that with um fuck what's that movie with uh it has like the scene with the girl on the cell phone where she's kind of uh lake mungo Oh god! Yeah. Big Mungo. Yeah. yeah, everybody says it's such a fucking scary movie, and I didn't get it. Yeah, I mean that was one. Like... See, I don't think that the whole movie is scary. I I almost put like Changeling in the same category as like Lake Mungo or, you know, Haunting of Bly Manor or um or even like uh, Lady in White or uh, I don't know if you guys have watched that Mr. Harkins phone that just came out that Stephen King short story that they put out on Netflix. Uh-huh. No, I haven't um, watched that one yet. It's solid, but it's not a scary movie. It's it's a horror story in that it involves like supernatural elements and stuff like that. But it's more or less just this sort of like weird, mysterious kind of like dark drama. And there's more about like emotion to it than the other side of things. And so it's like, yeah, it's just it's interesting because it's just things like I've never like somebody was like, uh, like you're wrong for calling like Mungo a horror movie and i was like no i'm not because it's a fucking horror movie yeah. whether it scares you or not or whatever it's a horror movie there's ghosts there's supernatural elements there's it. creepy there's things in that movie like Her- i like that movie's and, not exactly so, for like, me but yeah yeah i'll admit it, it does have its moments and it i loved it because i i remember watching it not knowing that it was a faux documentary and then <clears throat> when that ending hits and it, it's more or less it's not that it like terrified me it just like was very sad and it sat with me for like a couple of days of just like the the sort of like idea of the tragedy of her like knowing her death before it happened and having to live with that and her coping mechanisms in the meantime and stuff it's just a very interesting sort of yeah uh human condition piece all right okay so you don't like it you love it i'm right in the middle man like <laughs> i i like this movie more on this watch i actually did enjoy it more because i um I don't know. I feel like the story was more enjoyable to go along this time. Um, so the good, I think that it had like a fairly intriguing mystery. Like it has, when you were watching this movie, you're like, you, most people probably go into it just expecting it to be like a haunting type thing where it's all set in the house and it's all centered around that. But like we get the origin of like who this is and like what all is bothering him pretty early on in the movie. And then it like goes from there, and you're just following along, like finding out more pieces to the story. And I think that's interesting. Um, I kind of feel like this movie has—I I say it all the time—but it's kind of like the weird Jalo uh, thing, where it's like two people investigating something that have no business investigating something. Like, why is he interested mm-hmm. in solving this? Like, what? Like, he doesn't have to stay at this house. He could just move on. This ghost isn't gonna haunt him for the rest of his life. Like. But he takes like some kind of personal interest in solving this for whatever reason. Because he needs grief counseling. I know, like it's about like it's tied into his daughter, and he's kind of wanting like some sort of closure for this. I don't know, like it might help him, but at the same time, too, like he could just walk away and he could be done with it. But he chooses not to. I don't know. I think it it can be it's it's interesting. It was more interesting this time watching it. Um, the bad, I think that um, 
it does have a fairly slow start to it. The the intro scene is really good because it grabs your attention right away because, you know, two people get killed. And, like, but immediately after that, it kind of, like, slows to a halt and then it, like, builds things up very slowly it's along the way. It's 30 minutes of him crying and playing the piano. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, a lot of it is kind of, like, building atmosphere, though, too, like, around the house. But, like, then again, like, it's... I don't really end up finding the house creepy. The only like truly creepy moment in this movie with the house is the part with the ball. But like it is mm-hmm. kind of building a little bit of like an atmosphere here that is somewhat unsettling. But um another bad thing about this, I feel like there are a lot of shots in this movie that are unnecessary. Like you'll have like a fifteen second clip of him like going to the um like to see the doctor and he's like, Yeah, well you should get a medium and then like the next scene the mediums are there, you know, like I feel like a lot of these things can be told off screen. Like we don't have to see everything unfold. Like a lot of this stuff could just not be there to not bloat it and like drag it down with a very long run time. Ugly. I think um, the whole thing with the Senator and like the whole corruption that was going on there, it kind of made me mad because it just made me think about real life and how like corrupt <laughs> politicians are. And I was just like, fuck these guys. <laughs> Were you thinking about the lack of uh, term limits for yeah, dude, no, I'm like, At least they're accurate where they have this old ass dude who's still in office. <laughs> like everybody, the, the average age for people on this movie is like 70. Like everybody here yeah. is old yeah. as fuck. And then plus like George C. Scott has looked old his whole life. Yeah. So it's like he's like a, he's like a Steve Martin where you're like, Dude, did you ever not have gray hair? And then, like, it's like when I think about it, the only thing I can think of, Jesus Christ, I just lost my train of thought. But the only, oh, the only thing I can think of with George C. Scott where I remember him not being gray headed is like Doctor Strangelove, and he's actually got dark hair in it. Oh, shit. Well, and that's like, like a black and white film, like, too. <laughs> it's a black and white movie from the 60s. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like a, over a decade earlier. I was going to say, so that's like, how, it's, I really about, how I feel about how I feel about Jack Nicholson. And then you see him in Little Shop of Horrors, and you're like, ah, so oh that's God. what he looked like a century ago. He's like scrawny. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Like anytime he was in that or like, or like, easy rider or something it's like oh he didn't have a re- or once over the cougar's nest you know like he always didn't have that receding hairline and like that crazy look in his face yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had that crazy look in his face in the little shop of horrors yeah no no he always had the oh, look it was yeah, always yeah. there <laughs> yeah, <that's true>. yeah. <laughs> uh okay and the absurd um the whole fucking ending of this movie it, i feel like they kind of just ended it i don't like the house explodes and like and it we're ben done tramers itself it does yeah like I feel like the it could have ended a little bit better, but um, I don't know. I just thought that that was funny. Like the house could have burned down, and I would have accepted that. But he goes up into the attic, and then all of a sudden, like there's explosives in there. He goes up like, into the attic in his little Hugh Hefner robe. <laughs> I know the Hugh Hefner robe is the. Oh, yeah. I was wondering why he's like why he was wearing a robe that entire time too, um, until I found out. Well, it's because he. I think the idea is that he goes out really late. Like he takes that meeting with George C. Scott really late in his private house. Oh, and then yeah. Is like transported into the house as is, like, um, you know, yeah. through whatever magical, supernatural idea you, you want to was there, yeah. I was really confused during the ending because I was like, what the fuck is he? He's staring at the picture, but he's walking into an explosion. And then I kind of figured it out. But I don't know. The whole ending is just weird to me. So um, <laughs> my final rating for this. I'm giving it a five. I'm right there in the okay. middle on it. I liked it more. I thought that there were some very 
like it grabbed my attention and I enjoyed watching it for certain parts, but then there were other parts where I was just like, this is too much. Like just, I don't know. Like it just needed to get moving. Funny enough. That makes our, our starting average five. Oh, okay. Between cool. the three of us. So. Uh, that's appropriate. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Okay. So now that we got all that out of the way, let's uh, get into talking about this movie. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> so, this movie begins with the family pushing the car in the snow. They push it 20 feet so he can walk back 20 feet to the payphone. Yeah. <laughs> First decision that makes no sense in I this movie. I think what happened is he, well, the car died in the road. to get it off of the road and not be in a curve. Yeah. yeah. Well, look at how that worked out for them. <laughs> yeah. He well, that's also because that dude spun out, though, <laughs> and it probably would have been worse on the curve. Like, it would have pushed him over the mountainside instead. I mean. Yeah. Um, I like also how there's just this payphone out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, but that, you know, man, like, that's the 80s. Like, that's the 70s. They had to do that. That's the thing, too, I guess, because, like, I'm so far removed from that. Like, yeah. I mean, there were payphones growing up, but, like, it was such a dying thing that I don't think... I remember when um, we were talking to no, Brandon I mean, Christensen and he was talking about like that's one of the biggest challenges if you're trying to isolate a character mm-hmm. and you're filming in 2022, what the fuck do you do mm-hmm. about cell phones? How do you have a realistic way to knock out cell phones? Because right. that's just what it is now. Yeah, because like, um, I mean, even so like before going like to college and like getting into all this stuff, like I worked like touring with bands as like a touring guitar player like a guitar tech and stuff like that and even in you know like 2000 let's say 2007 2008 and we would be out you know in the fucking desert somewhere in california or, or arizona or something like that you would see payphones out in the middle of nowhere because they had to be on these sort of isolated roads in case somebody needed roadside assistance because yeah that's cool i, I didn't even think about that was so patchy you know what i mean yeah. and so there's multiple times like that we were driving and would, you know, be out in the middle of the desert and fucking, you know, one in the morning and you just see this one little payphone off to the side, uh, whether it was at a gas station or just on the side of the road or something like that. And you pull over and, and it's got everything running to it underground and you open it, it had a light in it and everything. I mean, it was kind of a trip. Like that was definitely a thing back then for isolation yeah i think i'd be afraid to go into one of those yeah i was gonna say this sounds spooky this sounds scarier than the entirety of this movie (laughs) is a desert payphone in the middle of the night (laughs) yeah it's like if you're just driving and you see it in the middle of the night it's like uh it's almost kind of like this alien thing that was like implanted there you know it's like the monolith in 2001 or something you know it's just kind of strange that it it makes me think of that movie um, ATM. I was thinking with of that Josh too. Peck. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, <sighs> very similar. Yeah, uh, or phone booth with uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, except that's like a completely a different thing. Movie. <laughs> that's a great movie, yeah. but like that's like in the middle of like a busy city and everybody's watching him, <laughs> like even TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, the car um, comes to driving around the corner, and so does this big truck. It's like a coal truck. It reminds me of coal trucks. Um, Eastern but, uh, Kentucky chiming in mm, over here. Mm, that's right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, veers off the road and runs over the the wife and the daughter. Well, it adds insult to injury by hitting their own car. Oh yeah, and, and getting I... them run over by their own car with nobody even actually driving it. Yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, 
It's and he's just stuck in the booth just watching it happen. It's like one of the saddest things I've ever seen. He's like, like just the level of like the, trauma that is inflicted by that. It's like it's like not only do do they die and they lose he loses them, but it's also just this really horrific accident and to me highly plausible and realistic yeah. in terms of like it's just this bad misfortunate or misfortunate unfortunate thing that happens and it's it's just literally like this just train wreck of a sequence of just kind of like the ultimate horrible thing that you could experience you know it makes me think of the book um pet cemetery with the kid getting yeah. hit because mm-hmm. mm. there's like yeah. there's like two whole chapters after that happens where it's basically like oh but the dad saved him in time and then it like goes through uh. his life and then after those happy chapters it cuts to the funeral and him getting into a fist fight with his in-laws that's so fucked up yeah the movie doesn't do and that, it's does like it? no the movie the movies, none of the none movies of are it. as good as the book dude that would be yeah you're right but that would be like that would be such a fucking mind fuck right there i mean with the book it is i imagine like if i'm reading that for the first time and i didn't expect it like i'd be holy shit like that's like a gut punch yeah yeah, like, yeah. and then also like sidebar on that aspect of, of things like the adaptation aspect of that the other thing that they always miss in pet cemetery is the presence of the wendigo in the fucking woods that is like, a yeah. wendigo yes what the fuck <laughs> yeah there's a wendigo in the woods and it's like you know like in both i don't think it happens in the new i didn't really watch the new one a bunch i've only seen it like once or twice because i know it's it sucks, okay dude. and um <laughs> But the, the original, you know, it was just a thing. Like when you were a kid, it was like I was an 80s kid and, and it, that movie's highly nostalgic, but I don't necessarily think it was good. I, I just think I remember so much about it, specifically really just the Ramon song. But, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, the whole like sequence when Judd falls asleep, when Lewis is going to like dig the kid up is because of like the influence of the Wendigo on these people, like convincing them to bury this thing there and, and all these other things. And it's like, they don't do anything with it. They're just like, no, he's just, he's just an old dude. And he fell asleep for some reason. And now he can't go stop him. And it's like, wait, he's supposed to be the Wendigo. No, he's being influenced. <laughs> no, no. It, it, I yeah. That... <laughs> it's like the supernatural like... influence on. <laughs> like, yeah. We're going to take the Wendigo. We're going to turn it into this old man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, who has this accent that we cannot place. Yeah. Uh, well, I reckon uh, sometimes that I'm yeah, no Wendigo. <laughs> <laughs> There's always like the, I don't know what the, you know, Dead is Better is the obvious one because of like South Park, but it's always the, what is the fucking thing he says in that where he's like, he, he, he's like the the ground is sour you know and you're just like <laughs> what are you talking about so if you feel like this is the case why are you showing him this you know what i mean and he's like well i just don't want the kid to be sad about his cat and it's like no nah, dude like, like, like sounds like a senile the man the cat is dead is so much better than like having this cat that is so decomposed is that he's sticking to the road come back from you know it's like just bizarre like um and that's not how it goes at all in the book either Mm-mm. yeah it's just it's just it's just strange it's a very 80s movie <laughs> anyway yeah that's so fucking weird okay <laughs> that's moving on so um i need to start finding a way to drop <laughs> random book facts on I know, you every episode <laughs> second episode in a row where i'm like learning all this weird shit about books uh <laughs> you can literally take just stephen king adaptations and do that because like most of them don't align with the book 
or they just like to leave shit out, mm -hmm. you know, what? and the ones that keep the stuff in are the more successful adaptations because then you're like, oh, well, like you understood the book and what made the book interesting and how to whittle it mm -hmm. down into a film or a miniseries versus being like, all right, I like the idea of like you bury shit in the cemetery and it comes back to life and like the little kid, but like, let's put him in a top hat for some reason. You know what I mean? And you're just kind of like, what? You know, like yeah. what, who, who chose that? Yeah. Um, okay. So cuts to the future. Um, he's moving into a home. He moves to Washington. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He gets a, a job. Um, he's a, a composer that gets a job to clear his head and move across the country to Washington to like teach at the college there while he can also compose. Yeah. Which I'm going to say is why the mansion is not a dumb choice and it's not strictly for style. Um, okay. Explain. Because he gets a historic. Okay. So he, he moves there. <laughs> he is not choosing the house. He moves, he's living at a hotel and, and he's got these friends that are there that are helping him acclimate to his new life. In which he is discussing the loss of his wife, his child, and his wife. He's grief-stricken over it. And the, the wife of his friend says, I have a friend who works at a historical society, and they have all these places that are just, you could probably just have them for cheap because they don't do anything with them. I'll talk to somebody. In which we cut to him outside of this house, and this is the house that they were like, what about this place? And he's like, Oh, there's a fucking piano in here. It probably has really good acoustics. It's all these open rooms and I can just lose myself in here. I'm isolated. I don't have to worry about neighbors. If, you know, there's a sequence at one point when he has students over and they're working on a piece together, he can just have the free reign to set up shop and do this in this house as opposed to an apartment or a house in a neighborhood or a small house, even because he has the ability to separate where he sleeps versus where he's composing and and record in a way because he you know there's multiple times he has that tape recorder with the mic hooked up to it where he's recording compositions and so in terms of like why doesn't he just get like this tiny house or this whatever it's like well i mean it, if you think about real life like musicians when they go off and record albums you know like there's a whole thing about incubus and like morning view and when they went and rented this mansion in la to record their album and, and do all the pre-production and because it just was like this separate space yeah um from their their where they inhabit things yeah i still think it's absurdly <laughs> grandiose you can get some well, of that without having 127 sure. rooms in the building mm. you know what i mean like they have their own like staff too like uh what the fuck's that guy mr tuttle mr. i thought tuttle. he would be way more important the way they hammered in mr tuttle's gonna take care of everything and then he, he like, mr tuttle off. takes care of dick they, I guess, they... Well, Mister Tuttle keeps the—he's the groundskeeper, so he keeps that stuff up. It's an old house. All he has to do is like, you know, maintain uh, like the boiler. Wasn't... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like wasn't there another? It's kind of like a modern no? do what? I, okay, I thought that there was another person too, but I guess it's just him. Yeah, he's just like the groundskeeper for like the caretaker for the house. Okay, I thought that um, he was like a live-in type person where he like stayed there. No, I didn't get that vibe at all because he was hardly ever there, and yeah. he also was sort of a typical, you know, person that that you know, like <laughs> like when he's the, the one thing I love about a, a big part of this movie is that George C. Scott, because of his grief and stuff, he's so much more susceptible and like open to the ideas of these things, and so we don't have this period where he's like being told by other people 
that it's a ghost and he's like that's fucking stupid like that's not real it's more or less everybody else being like mr i like i was watching it earlier in the part when he's like talking about how there's this bizarre banging in the house and you're like yeah that's fucking weird i would be like what is that and mr tuttle's like it's an old house it makes noises yeah and and it's like no dude i live in a house like my house is from the 40s i don't just hear random shit in my house because like my pipes knock or something you know what i mean it's just like it's sort of a strange thing so it's like the opposite he's more because of what he's been through he's open to the ideas of things and and to exploring it and and you know i think in a modern context it's easy to be like well dude why don't you just fucking go to therapy or something you know instead of worrying about this mystery (laughs) of this ghost but if you think about when this was made and the fact that if you think about we're talking about the movies that came out at the same time is it the shining um and the fog and what was the the, the other one uh inferno you know inferno is is weird because it is the sort of like oddball because it doesn't really you can't really compare them other than the fact that it's sort of you know it all takes place in this weird apartment building in new york but you know the shining what is that about it's about child abuse alcoholism it's you know it's it's toxic masculinity at its best because it was not okay for guys to go to therapy to like deal with these emotions and stuff it's almost more interesting in that um he he they actually let him cry and be emotional about these things and stuff in this film as opposed to the the jack torrance character who's just like fuck it i don't care i'm I'm too good for this and so then you know the ideas of therapy and all of those other things you know that wasn't like a thing back then for people to be like yeah guys can go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist i mean anybody back then was like if you go to a psychologist you're kind of crazy like that was sort of the the yeah, motif about it you know so so the idea of him i almost relate to it a lot in terms of like going through trauma and saying okay well like i do it all the time with writing and stuff like that in film is like i'm just going to kind of bury my head in this because even though it's not confronting anything it's just it's a coping mechanism you know what i mean it's at least something to like clear my head and like make me not feel as anxious and stuff and so the idea of self-isolation in this big space and like burying himself in his work and playing music and then being sort of like thrust into this mystery not because he chose to but because you know, it just exists and this, this ghost is latching on to him because of his trauma. It's like, it's actually, you know, like I said, it doesn't work in a modern context, but in that time period, you know, like that, that's what the, like the dudes did. That's what most people did. You just were like, oh, fucking whatever. I got over it. Yeah. And I figured something else out to do. Everybody you know? just got their own Joseph. <laughs> I yeah, still think you, you just, can... It, and not everybody was lucky enough to have a haunted yeah. house you know, to, like, to, to like figure it out. Some people just got drank a lot or something. You know? I still think you can achieve all of that without being in a house with 182 rooms. Mm. Uh, like... I feel like... I think... Um, a cabin I think that's a just... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's about... You know, also you got to figure this was not an indie movie. And so... Um, you know, you talk about the fact that there were two directors that got booted for creative differences. And I, I would almost guarantee you that the, one of the fucking notes is like, I would love to find an early draft of this because (laughs) I almost feel like it was probably a simpler thing. And then they were like, have you guys ever seen Robert Wise's The Haunting from 61? (laughs) And everybody's like, 
yeah <laughs> and they're like what if the house is like that and they're like what the fuck would be the point of that and they're like because it's so scary and like all that crazy stuff happens in it and then they're like yeah but there's like five people in that movie and the point is that it was this mansion that was haunted and they're tricking them by telling them it's a sleep study like that's not the same story at all and they're like and some producer was like coked out of his mind and was like well i'm not giving you the money unless we do this big house yeah. you know so the house like, has to be really really I, really big I, i'm also <laughs> calling bullshit on it being cheap because it's through the historical society you know what historical societies love money mm. oh yeah the historical no, district mean, but, here in town some of the most expensive homes that oh, you can yeah, get in lexington right, yeah. now oh i believe that for sure but <laughs> i also like i don't know like there's just certain things like I think when I, I think because like I write and work on movies and stuff like that, that I'm far less critical about like <laughs> certain aspects of certain things because I'm like certain things you don't have a choice in. Certain things are stylistic choices strictly because an audience is going to want that. Yeah. Um, certain things are, uh, you know, the reality is, is like making a movie is really fucking hard. Making oh, yeah. a feature length movie Absolutely. where everything line, you know, it's like you guys went to the Jamboree, you know, it was like that yeah. whole part of the first night when, when Joe Bob was just fucking ripping into Halloween three, yeah. which I will never agree with. I'm, he gave me an award and I'm very grateful for that experience, <laughs> but I disagree with him so hard on blasting Halloween. It's hilarious. Like he did it right in front of Tommy Lee Wallace too. <laughs> and right like, in front of him. And it, it, it was interesting because you could see man, like in Tommy Lee's face, dude, that he, he's got pain about that, you know? Mm. Um, and, and the complaints about the movie don't make sense. Like the whole, like, Oh, well, it should have Halloween two should have been like that. Then I'm like, dude, that's not his decision. That's fucking Erwin Ublant and all the other, you know, the Mustafa Akkad and all of them who produced it, you know, like that was their decision to do it like that, you know? And, but the, the best moment of the whole thing was like, Joe Ball was just being so nitpicky. And he said something about how they got one of the Stonehenge rocks over to the United States. And I do question that. Tommy Lee just, Huh. No, I I agree. I question that, but I like Tommy Lee's explanation for all that stuff because I, you know, I it's absolutely true. Like, and here's the thing: it's, it's, I, I've never made a movie. Not, he said he just said he just said, "Hey, man, like you don't believe in magic." Yeah, yeah. And right. I was like, I was like, yeah, everything else in this movie, and that's the thing that you're worried about is logistically how they transported things. Like they're 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 witches, like, and they're they're druid witches that. <laughs> figured out how to kill children with Halloween masks. Like, I'm not really worried about them getting a rock overseas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and that's kind of where I go about certain things where it's like, why, you know, why do that aspect of it? Right. And then you're like, well, I mean, who knows how many fucking, you know, cooks had their, their hands in the, you know, kitchen, like sitting there saying, well, you need to put it in a big house. Well, it doesn't make sense. It's in a big house. Well, too fucking bad like you gotta put it in a big house you don't get to make it you know what i mean and, and so like, and i totally I think, respect that there can be that there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes that i'm not aware of i also totally respect that making a movie is really fucking hard and i've never done it so i have nothing to you know contribute to that aspect of it and i'm not even saying that everybody involved in this is terrible at filmmaking um I'm just saying that's why this movie doesn't work for me as an audience member. Oh yeah. It's, I'm I'm not even saying yeah. that it should work for anybody. I'm saying like 
I think it's just more or less like when um, I don't even remember what movie we were talking about. I'd had like a very similar conversation where somebody was saying like, I, I don't understand that movie. I don't know why. Oh, it's about Alien 3. And because um, I fucking I will die on the hill that Alien 3 rules and it's the perfect ending to like the Ripley saga. But that's a whole other thing. But um, and I was talking about it and I was like, it's not that like I think anybody should agree with me because it's that's the the, the reality of the situation is nobody should everybody doesn't have to like everything if that if that was the way the world worked everything would be so fucking boring and um it, my thing is I I think what I was trying to say very long-windedly was just that my my viewpoint on I, I'm more forgiving on most movies because I'm like yeah but you know you've experienced it, it. you you, can yeah, you just have to kind of go like how hard is it to, like how many drafts do you have to go through to connect everything you know what i mean right um, yeah and it's a very especially in sort of a mystery um capacity it's like this has to make sense and this has to line up with this and then it's like sometimes you just gotta kind of like Tommy Lee said you just gotta kind of go well that just that just happened you know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's just a thing, man. You know, it's, it's the idea of like explaining the xenomorph and Prometheus versus the xenomorph just existing in alien. And it's just this creature that exists in nature. And we don't need this backstory of like Michael Fassbender making it, you know, it's like the same kind of ideology of like, sometimes shit just exists and it happens and it, it doesn't need to be dissected quite that way for it to be effective, I guess. Right. But that's, you know, that's a subjective. Opinion, obviously. Well, so the house was going to be a museum is the whole thing. So they were going to turn it into a museum and she just gave it to him because it hadn't been occupied for 12 years and they were going to just, they figured it was better for people to live in anyways. So person. Oh yeah. A person. So he's moving in, he's adjusting to it. He's playing piano. Kathy's got a racquetball. Yeah. Her only earthly possession. Um. The thing that stood out to him the most. Uh, he's playing piano, and as he's doing that, he walks away from the piano, and the key plays by itself. So we know that there's a presence in there too. Um, he's got a lot of wasted shelf space. I just made the note: horseback riding. Was he horseback riding? Was he flashbacking to horseback no, riding? No, he was horseback riding with Claire. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, they're hanging out, yeah. and uh, yeah, they're just. I don't know. It's just kind of like it's just character development stuff. Like, yeah. Um, to me, it's it's. We show who he is, like we show how he's coping and sort of like him adjusting to this space and sort of finding connection with another human being, uh, um, which is another thing that I love about the fact that Trish Vanderveer is his, you know, whatever wife. you want to call it. Not really. <clears throat> yeah, but it, the fact that like his actual wife played his sort of love interest or sort of newfound connection because their their chemistry rocks. You yeah. Know what I mean? and it's, I, I was going to say, their chemistry is very, very strong, but I think it's also to the detriment. And I'm not saying that you can't move on from the death of his spouse. I'm absolutely not saying that, but it is almost to the detriment of him grieving his wife. Have they established how long it's yeah. been? Four months. Four months, okay. Um, yeah. I, I made the note that Kathy equals horse girl, and I'm pretty sure it was him saying that Kathy would have loved doing this if yeah, she was well, still alive. She so says that she liked horses. I said that um, she was a horse girl and that Claire yeah. is dressed like Mary Poppins in this scene. Mm -hmm. 
My favorite thing during this whole um, this whole bit, like where we're just kind of getting like pieces of him just kind of existing, is when he's teaching at his class and everything he says. Those people fucking find it hilarious. Like they're laughing at everything that he has to say. It's like he's doing a stand up routine up there. It's, yeah. It, well, I so I so the going back to the writing thing, I do think that that scene is superfluous and unnecessary. I think that's a stylistic, aristocratic, fucking stupid thing that it's like. It exists, but it's like it it's not like a thing to me where I'm like, nah. It's, it's one of my of favorite dumb tropes in movies though, is that if one of the main characters is a professor, we have to show how much the students like him by or laughing him. way too hard at his jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's also kind of like implied that he's so like notable and him coming there to teach is a big fucking deal. And so him walking into this room full of people and there's only whatever he says you know this 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 class has a register of 27 people or something and he's like so i don't fucking you know i i almost like it that it's almost like self-loathing where he's kind of like i i have no idea why this many fucking people are in this room with me but you know because what does he say he says something like he's like so unless there's a a fire somewhere in the room that just means there's a bunch of people in here with nothing better to do like and it's it's kind of hysterical in that way that he's just sort of like i i you know george c scott in this movie i think what i love is that he's so fucking charismatic in it he just i i personally love him in this movie because he's like he's just a very likable person in this movie i like him Um, too I, i feel like he he feels like a real person like I don't feel like he's yeah. um like he's exaggerated in any way whatsoever. I, I just like I, I believe that this person is actually like reacting to these things very believably. I mean to like a ghost. I mean to a, any like as much as you can to this type of story. Um I don't you know this right here though yeah. with the kids laughing though is just kind of hilarious to me because it's just so over the top. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, yeah. I don't really understand anything about him as a person. I don't get any the depth character? to his character. Yeah. yeah he's I mean, sad really... and he plays piano and then he's got this mystery. And I understand that grief, grief can be all consuming, but I just feel like that's the only character we trait, character trait we get for him. Well, see, I think, I think the fact that he pursues the mystery period is a character trait. Um, because like what Travis, like what you were saying earlier, you're like, why does he even do this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not strictly, it is grief at first, but it's also genuine curiosity and sort of, and that's what I love is that he goes kind of head first into wanting to know why there's this shit happening in this house. Um, it reminds me a lot of like, like, did you guys ever see that movie Late Phases? That no. werewolf movie? Mm-mm. Well, I'll just say that, that it's sort of similar. You guys need to watch that movie. That movie's amazing. Like it's very like, it's all practical, like, uh, bipedal like werewolves that look like howling type designs and um it's a uh did you ever see Stakeland? no but that one um i am familiar with it i know a lot of people really love that movie um but anyway it's, a, it's like a veteran that um uh is blind and, and he moves in his community and there's werewolf attacks but anyways what i was saying is he's very open to the idea of it um and it makes the movie more interesting to me yeah in that way yeah we don't have to deal with him like being in denial with anything he just kind of goes with the flow yeah so we learn that the house was rented outside of the proper channels um 
in that the house doesn't want people. Spooky stuff is happening. John goes exploring, winds up in the attic and finds a little music box and it's playing the same song that he thought he composed himself and he shows Claire. So they do some research. Oh, and except... he finds a journal that says CBS on it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and um, they decide that they're going to go pull some files, figure out what was or going CSP. on. Um, and some of the files are missing. So Minnie at the Historical Society tries to fill in some blanks and direct them towards a different family. Like, ah, Dr. Bernard, uh, his daughter was hit by a coal truck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, okay. Do we, <laughs> do we ever get any reasoning why she, um, like, what her motivation is throughout this whole thing? Because, like, she, I mean, we find I out she's working she's, with the senator. She, like, yeah. informs the senator at some point, but, like, I don't know. Same, probably same reason. Captain Dewitt is like on. Well, that's like corruption. Side. Yeah, it's yeah. all it's all like a conspiracy to cover it up. That's that's even more of the reason why you know the ending to me is so poignant. It's that like it was all this thing of like don't let that guy go in the house. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He knows what's up, and we see him uncovering things, and he's going to blow the lid off this thing, and we don't want the repercussions of that, mm. and everybody that's involved in it is like, you know, it's like almost like, you know, you were talking about quotes to pull from it at the beginning. I love that part when George C. Scott is so shitty to that, to, to the woman at the historical society where she's like, that house isn't fit to be lived in. It doesn't want people like, and, and he looks at her and he's like, okay, so this shit's happened before. Like, <laughs> so what are you talking about then? You know what I mean? He's like, He's like, you're out here telling me to shut up and just ignore it, but then you literally just told me that the house is not fit to be lived in and it doesn't want people. So which one is it? You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he has like zero patience for it. He's like, okay, so I'm right. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so so interesting, I think. Um, that's sort of the character trait I love the most is that he's, he has no patience for things like that. And uh, even, even with the ghost, you know, like near the end when <laughs> – like he he thinks okay i found the body we're all good and shit and then the ghost freaks out and like has that door slamming fit and i just love that like it's a, he knows at this point that it's the ghost of a kid and he just yells at it he calls, calls it a son of a, bitch. son of a bitch dude that like, i wrote that he's so mad because he's just like he's like dude i fucking literally have done every goddamn thing you've asked me to do you little shithead and like you're still fucking with is that the like, scene what else am I supposed to do? is that the scene where it's like at the overhead shot of him yeah that's yeah uh, it's I, like a it's a overhead zoom out from the staircase i wrote yeah. that as my uh i know what you did last summer show like what do you want from me and he's like <laughs> what, what are you, for? you yeah for? yeah the, the only thing he's like but missing like, is spinning around in circles <laughs> but it, that's what's funny is like you know like the 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 i know what you did last summer thing is like comical but the reason like i understand him in this because i'm like yeah dude like i just i i look like a crazy person and i went and convinced this family to dig up their daughter's room on a hunt. And the only thing that that worked out was that the little girl had a nightmare about, about Joseph, like in that room. And you're like, yeah, I'd be fucking mad too. I'd be like, dude, I like, I'm like, I've got my own shit going on with losing my family. And you're like trying to help you. And now that I've found you in a way, like I still is not enough and I'm fucking over it. You know, it's like, a, it's such a weird interesting thing but the fact that he calls it a 
he just looks at it and says, you goddamn son of a bitch. Well, like, what do you the, want? Like, that part thing, cracks me up every time. But the thing with that is that I don't think it's necessarily that the boy wanted his body found. He wanted his story told. And right, John right. was patently refusing to tell anybody mm. the story. He wanted to. He well, he, he has uh, become obsessed with the case at this point. He wants it to be his own little thing, and he confronts the senator himself. So this story never gets out to the public. Joseph doesn't actually get any of his vindication. Like, hey, I was murdered and buried in a well. Hmm. Well, yeah, and and you also can't know though, like that. That's what's expected of you. You know, it's like the going back to the ring. The ring is. The Ring and like the others and parts of Insidious and stuff like that are movies that I think pull a lot from this movie. And like even in The Ring, you know, that was the point is it was like you were never going to be rid of this because uh, until the story was told. But then even in The Ring, it was like, nah, dude, I'm just kind of like vengeful and I don't Yeah, care. like yeah. I'm angry. Well, <laughs> which is um, more in line with, you know, Japanese culture um, and dealing with like yokais and, and vengeful spirits and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, that, that part always just kind of cracks me up because of that. But. So we've got the scene where he goes and drops Kathy's ball off the bridge and then he comes back home and it's dropped down the stairs. Iconic scene. People. I wish the ball was wet when it was dropped I down I thought it was going to be wet. That would have been a nice touch. I was actually thinking that myself. Like if it was like just dripping with a little bit of water, I think that would have been. Ooh, like nice touch to it. So yeah. naturally, he goes to the school's um, psych department. Psych department. I love that in movies, schools all have like a parapsychology yeah, department. Mm -hmm. um, I I kind of <laughs> I'm so annoyed. I am annoyed by those types of things. Um, like you guys were talking about. Like I don't really. I I would almost equate this to like test audiences. Because you could have easily not, you don't have to see him go to the parapsychology department. You don't have to go. That's my thing, man. See the sign to the historical society. But, dude, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like some people are, are dumb. Oh, and no. They have I have to have things spelled out for them. Yeah, no, I and totally I guarantee there was test screenings where people were like, but how did they get up with the medium? And it's like, dude, they just got up with them. Like, can you just like, like suspend <laughs> yeah. disbelief? Like, you're watching a movie about a ghost of a child haunting a musician. Like, do you need. Like you can't suspend disbelief enough to be like, oh, he figured out a way to get a hold of the media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I want to say this: the um, actress did a really good job as the medium. Yeah, she did. Yeah, I like that. That, that unbroken close up of her face with just like the single tear in her eye, like was just it was great. That that to me is the best scene in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, paired with the aftermath of then discovering on the tape that the child was picked up by the tape and inaudible to human ears, and, uh, but the microphone picked it up. I think it's Why wouldn't they have then, wanted to listen to the I tape know. together? That's what I was thinking too. Like after he threw the glass, they're like, fine, we'll get out. And then they just leave. Fine! Well, <laughs> they, they I think, you, know, you have like a, like a shock factor of that that just happened. And because you weren't audibly hearing anything, why would you just assume, you know, because they're not really like she's a medium but she's not a you know she's not like a ghost hunter you know what i mean so like there's no assumption there that there would be anything else on that tape i, I thought think he was just recording it you know to have it as like a reference and stuff and then he's like oh shit like you can do uh, it on the tape see i misinterpreted that because i thought that they were recording it because they thought that they could pick up things like that 
but I guess, you know, just recording. No, because, I mean, you got to figure they didn't really know that, you know. Um, and also that scene, that, that scene has been copied so many times. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, that movie, in terms of the way that that seance is structured, I mean, even down to what she is wearing, like, go watch Poltergeist and look how Tangina is dressed. You know, uh, yeah. um, the insidious seance mm-hmm. at the at the beginning of the first one is a, is a very James Wan version of that with like the gas mask and stuff. Uh, the others, you know, at the the ending of the others, it's the blind woman and she has a person with her who is switching out paper and pencil for her as she scribbles things down. Um, and like Alejandro Amenabar like admitted that. You know, like he was like, no, that was like a total like homage piece to the to the changeling, um, and I think that that's probably the scariest thing in the whole movie. Yeah, like, yeah, it's um, great. But this whole time, when he's playing it back, we get like the message about what all he wanted. Um, basically, he's wanting John to help him. Um, His dad was say. fucking savage in um, the drowning. But it's it's brutal. It's so fucked up, and it's like. It plays into, I love that, like, George C. Scott's kind of like, I fucking, this sucks. Like, this is all terrible, and I'm fucking whatever. But I, the best part about that movie to me is, the, like, we're Trish Vandeveer in that movie, in that, well, at least I am. Like, her reactions to things as he's telling um, her are, like, my reactions to things, which is, like, when he shows her the attic and they see the wheelchair for the first time, and she stares at it and has nothing to say for a second, and she's just, it's so small. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's fucking awful. You know what I mean? It just like hits you, and you're just kind of. And then so then when you see that drowning scene, you're just kind of like, Jesus Christ! And the way that him having to come to that, and then is sort of like projected into his mind by the ghost, and uh, and and it just kind of wrecks. I did. I did not understand that it was being projected into his mind. I thought this flashback was just for the audience. So then, when it cuts back to him and he is so sweaty, I was like, "What (laughs) happened on your end?" Yeah, he was actually in the bathroom. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I always interpreted as is that he was shown it. Yeah, I mean, and then that's why he's like, "What the fuck?" You know what I mean? I mean, because. Oh my God! Like, can you imagine? No, being put first person perspective into that, you know, and it's like even just watching it as like an audience knowing it's fake is shitty. And yeah, then, um, him coming around that corner and just being wrecked and sweaty. I mean, almost it, it's up there with like when he sees the ball come back, you know. And I've yeah. I had somebody tell me that they didn't understand why that was scary, and I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think it's sort of a modern audience problem, which is they're so used to like jump scares and stuff, and that things like that don't sit with them. And I was like, okay, well I'll tell you what, man. Like we'll we'll you'll have an active ghost in your house, and this ball that is your child that's in that was your dead child's toy is, that's in storage is just going to randomly come rolling down the stairs at you, and, it's gonna and come then out you're going to drive miles away and throw it into a bottle a body of water drive back to your house and it's going to roll back down the yeah. stairs at you again. <laughs> and just like his look that he just backs away from it. And like the way his eyes are, it is so gnarly. Same thing. Like, uh, same thing with the wheelchair too. When, whenever they see the wheelchair at the top oh, of the stairs. Oh, and that thing, when that thing comes wheeling out by itself and I have a thing for, I don't know what it is. Like I, it's like um, that for some reason like that, I guess because of this movie, but also like session nine and stuff like that, you know, like these, 
ab abandoned spaces because I, I like going in and like photographing abandoned spaces when I can and the, yeah. the idea of just like an abandoned wheelchair you know it's it's like it's like uh there's like a John Mulaney joke about that where he said like the other day I like I just saw a wheelchair sitting on its side and he said you he goes that's a bad thing to see <laughs> like, because he goes you hope it was a miracle but probably not you know and, yeah. and it's uh and it's just rough you know there's something just very scary about that and then on top of it being this tiny child's yeah wheelchair who's died it's like ugh, you know yeah well so they do <laughs> do some research discover um that the child was sick um his mother died and he was in his grandfather's will um his dad was specifically bypassed although he was gonna manage the estate but if the child mm -hmm. died before he reached 21, all of it goes to charity. So what the dad does is um, dunks his child underwater to death, mm. um, replaces him with a kid from an orphanage, sends him over to Sweden for like a miracle cure for his uh, crippling arthritis. Allegedly. Yes. He, what really happens is he like sends him to the war, right? World um, War I. Didn't they mention like World War I? I don't know. Well, he was still a child though. It's, yeah, but like by the time like he would be, you know, the infantry age. isn't like a literal well, they, name, right? Huh? Oh, yeah. No, they <laughs> moved him like they just moved overseas long enough to like by the time that they would come back, that nobody could say it wasn't him because he was so grown up at the time. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I thought something had to do with yeah. him being like sent off for service too once he was like closer to age. Okay, I must have completely. <laughs> I think it was more or less just like the time period, probably. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so they decide to look into properties owned by the family that might have a well. Yeah, because he was mentioning a well when he was doing ranch. his whole yeah. um, seance. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so they find this one property, convince the woman to let them in, and she's like, oh, well, three nights ago, my daughter had a nightmare, and now she won't go back into her room, so please take a chainsaw to her floor. My favorite thing about this is whenever she's telling the story, and we have no reason to believe that Joseph can't leave the house. He was there and haunting her, too. But, like, he describes, or she describes him as, like, gnomish. And, like, I imagine, like, he heard that, and he's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I don't look yeah. like a fucking gnome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so Although cool. like, it's yeah. like, gnomes are scary, they are. But like he's like, <laughs> whenever I think of a gnome, I think of like a garden gnome, like the little chubby guys with the beards. Like I don't like. He's like, I don't fucking look like that. <laughs> like just something that you look at and it goes tee hee. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. Cute, you know whatever. But uh, um, next best part about this though is yeah, they like he convinces how, them to take a fucking chainsaw to their floor. How drafty was her fucking room that she just had an uncovered well right underneath the floorboards? Like we've got a crawl space and this time of year I can feel that <laughs> empty space beneath the house. Like I can't even imagine having a well there. Yeah. Uh this is, where I saw the well too, I was again thinking, Oh, the ring. This is very mm -hmm. much the ring right here. Or the ring is very much oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should say. Which is why, you know, um, I love, uh, like, when people are like, oh, it's not an original idea or whatever, and it's like... Every idea doesn't have to be original. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, all, it's all of what you do with it. Are you talking you about know, people like say that about the ring? They, people say it about oh, any fucking movie. Like, oh. I, I saw, like, a fucking man, I saw, like, a post earlier, I was just, like, on Instagram, and somebody put a poster of like Andre Tarkovsky's like stalker next to a poster of annihilation. 
and we're like it just ripped it off mm-hmm. and i was like uh i mean and the fact that there's like a a place in the woods where like something is changing physical properties of matter sure but uh yeah I hate that, it when that's people see where that, that ends yeah. And I was like, that's where that ends. And it's also just like color out of space by HP Lovecraft. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, that's the same thing where a meteor hits and alters, like it's all about what you do with it. And Annihilation is still a really good fucking movie. So it's like, just kind of, it's such a bizarre kind of thing. You know what I mean? That, that like people go there with it because I love the changeling and I love the American ring and, but I mean, I love Ringu more, but um it's like the you know I don't dislike them because they were like well there's a well yeah, <laughs> it's, <yeah>. like, <laughs> it's a perfectly reasonable plot point to like be like oh, we murdered this kid and we have a well is it like I'm naturally I'm if you had a lot. well and you have a dead body <laughs> where prime, are you putting the dead body in the well yeah, obviously obviously where's it's so the, smart you know nobody's gonna take the time to look. <laughs> who the you fuck know, goes like, nobody ventures to the bottom of a well there's always yeah. bad shit down there all's not well in the yeah. well. Yeah, that's why they say that. <laughs> that should have been the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all is not well in the well. Like, and you could use it for the ring. Yeah. Uh, so they get to uh, the bottom of the well. He finds a hand that is in no way the size of a child's hand. It's like a grown hand. Yeah. Yeah, big time. That looks like one of our Halloween props. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they uh, get the well, then, And what's weird, too, is that the rest of the body's tiny. Like, it's yeah. supposed to be that he had, like, a, a bone disorder and couldn't you know, grow. Also, if you guys find gnomes creepy just because I said it earlier and you haven't seen it, like, watch Don't Look Now. Don't Look Now? Are there gnomes? Yeah. I don't want to watch a movie about gnomes. I don't want to do that. Mm. It's not necessarily I'm... that it's gnomes. It's just, I, I don't even want to tell you what it really okay. ends up being. It's a lot, like, kind of like if you've ever seen, like, David Cronenberg's The Brood. Okay. Um, like, David Cronenberg's The Brood borrowed a lot from don't look now it's like donald sutherland and julie christie the, the only thing weird about that movie is that it has a oh no i know it. we know what it is it's the one with the girl in the the raincoat yeah oh, yeah yeah no okay okay so they find the body and they tell the cops and the cops are like do you know whose body this is and, and he says not really he says not really which a is suspicious and they're like what do you mean not like really? did you just have the urge to dig through this person's floor what happened why and how do you what do you mean not really um and he's well, like i can't tell crazy. them the truth because i don't have the metal <laughs> um except that's bullshit because he bnes later that night and gets the metal and then still doesn't tell the cops because he's like, well, they didn't see me dig it up. And I'm like, well, they didn't see you dig the body up either. Um, so being you know. hilarious, by the way, like the fact that he feels compelled to bust into this woman's window and break yeah. into her house like, after he's already been there and been allowed to dig in the house. Like, yeah, she's already agreed to chainsaw her fucking floor. He, she didn't agree yeah. for you to bust through her fucking window side note i love that her son was helping do it like i like to imagine there was a part of him that was always mad his sister got this particular room he's like yeah fuck you candace (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but i I was too i think he distrusted the at that point because of all the sort of like connections and things that were happening where where like people were threatening him and and uh 
I think there's a massive distrust of like police. Well, oh, I absolutely agree shows. with his decision not to tell the cops everything. I just think it's funny the way he keeps justifying it to Claire. He's being kind of a shithead to her well, and lying to her about his intentions. When, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, when he's in here, he uh, goes back down to the bottom of the well and the medallion. Joseph's ghost. Uh, gives him the medallion. Yeah, it just kind of like brings it up from inside the ground and it has the senator's name on I it. I love shots like that where like n- you know that it was definitely filmed in reverse. reverse. Yeah, I was I, trying I, to... Uh, it's total, like, re- like, it's like, like reverse like stop motion almost is what that scene looks like. It's yeah. bizarre. <laughs> I was trying to like pinpoint like, okay, like, I want to see the dirt move unnaturally here because I'm, I'm like, I know this has to be reverse. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, I like that stuff. It's cool. <laughs> so he goes to the private airport and harasses the senator. Blows Which... through the fucking like stop signs. And that, that part's so great. He's yeah. like, I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm going right out on the tarmac. And I think <laughs> and it's I'm just so funny. Scream at you like a crazy person. Like. Yeah. <laughs> he is just screaming incoherently, and the senator literally could have just stopped at like, I don't know what this guy's on about. Like everybody there would be like, Yeah, this dude just came in here screaming about a medallion. Yeah, but and he... then the senator. He's he guilty. His own medallion, though. He's like, I've got my medallion right here. He's I... shook from it. He's, yeah. He no, I think he's shook from it because he knows it's gonna like come crashing down. Because mm. that that's another thing. It's sort of like to the point of like earlier when when he's kind of shitty to that woman from the historical society because of her, like when he's like, okay, so there's it's a haunted house. Like why can't you just fucking own that? You know. And I love how he rolls out and blows through that whole line, and then he's just like. Hey, dickhead, like, I have this medal. Like, you're not you. You know it. Like, yeah. and he's he's very, like, he doesn't care that people are trying to mess with him or anything or take him down. He's just real, like, dude, like, you're a liar that none of this belongs to you, and you need to own up to that. And when he grabs that other medal, it's it's him being, like, shit. Like, they're, they know, you know. So, that whole, why, do you, why did he need to, like, have, like, a replica of that medal? Um, they're, they're, uh, they're like Catholic. Um, it's almost like, like from that time period, they're like birthrights. St. Paul's church is what it was. Like, I guess it said St. Paul's church, 1900 something. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a kind of like christening metal. And it's like, it's, I, I look at it as sort of like this because of the, the sort of addictiveness and the, and everything of the actual, like occurrence of that like they went out of their way to reproduce everything to make sure that there was no like argument that he was who he was ah okay um, you know well, just because of the fact that it was literally like a, assuming somebody else's identity not you know by your choosing but still might not have known because it could be like in the Christmas Prince, oh where he didn't know that his birth certificate was faked mm-hmm. and he was actually adopted and he didn't find out until he was set to become king. Dude, Christmas Prince is basically His whole life was a lie and he didn't find out until his dad was dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's tragic. And I think the same thing. You know what? Christmas Prince... They were inspired they by the Changeling too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even in the third one, like the place is haunted. Remember? The <laughs> oh haunted yeah, dungeon. yeah. There's this. <laughs> uh, okay, so I uh, think I think I would agree that he didn't know if they did not do everything within their fucking power to kick him out of the house and shut him up. Like, yeah, that's, that's my thing. Is it's like the minute he gets in that plane, he's like, call back. 
call Captain DeWitt, have him go over to that house to this dude. And then that guy comes over and in the middle of it, Trish Claire comes in and she's like, they fired me. They didn't tell me why. And they're canceling your lease to this house. See, I'm kind and of it's familiar. like, why are you doing all of that unless you have something to hide? And it's yeah, okay because the the house got the last laugh. And uh, oh yeah, it, the, it the house pulled, always gets the last laugh. You know, it pulled like, a curse of Chucky and <laughs> caused him <laughs> and to get into an accident on his way out. Oh, I oh, love yeah. that scene too. I love yeah. that so much that he like comes in and threatens him. The ghost is like, Nah, dude. We're like the the ghost is like we're on the cusp of like. <laughs> yeah. This and that that dude with the gnarly sideburns is not gonna like stop me. Oh, I was focused on his eyebrows more than his sideburns. Those well, they were were like they were almost one and the same. You know what (laughs) I mean? It's like he had like caterpillars on his face. Oh my god! Can you imagine like sideburns growing into your eyebrows? Uh, Um, I'm sure that happened. that, that scene, though, is amazing. This is probably one of my favorite parts because, like, whenever he sees, he goes to the mirror and the mirror shatters and then it, like, shows the guy's face upside down in the car crash. Like, you know what happened right Oh, there. it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I forgot that that happened from, like, the first watch and I was just kind of taken by surprise by that. And, then and it's that amazing, like, 70s, you know, reverse crash zoom out of the, like, yeah. the hole in the windshield. It's oh, fucking it's amazing. Just, yeah. And it's it's that moment that like uh, where you're just kind of like yeah like this 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 is not going to like end well for these people that are trying to cover it up and it's like especially like that guy like Dewitt like he's he's such an asshole that you're yeah. like nah fuck that dude like he, he, that dude thing, probably man. that dude probably in modern times would like plant drugs on people you know what i mean yeah i lost my body cam footage yeah exactly like Uh, he's that cop you know um that's the thing that pisses me off about this like the corrupt bullshit that happens in here because the senator like he's on the point he's like yeah just have to wig over there and pay him a visit and he's just over there threatening him with everything and then yeah and he's like maybe what is he telling he's like maybe you're crazy maybe you're you're grief stricken and you made all this up and like you just need to own up to it and then yeah. at the same time he's getting kicked out of the house you know Claire's getting fired and it's all cuz of that chick that works at the the office who who's like oh man they saw a ghost in that house like i know what's yeah. going on with that i'm going to go tell on them you know, and all the time, like, he's not even trying to blackmail him. <laughs> like he's just like wanting to tell the guy, "Hey, you're adopted." <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. He goes to his house and he's is- like, "I need you to hear this whole story." And this man, little little Melvin, in his Hugh Hefner smoking jacket, yeah. is yeah. so sad that his dad <laughs> is being called a murderer. That's the thing. I, so like- <laughs> that what you guys are talking about, like whether or not he knew about it or not, like everything beforehand ma- leads me to believe that he did know about it. But whenever I see the scene here, the way he reacts to it, I don't get the impression that he's putting on the show. Like I feel like it's fairly genuine his reaction to this. Yeah, see, he, I, I, I think get he's that, so like... deep in denial. I think he knows that his dad did some shady shit. I think he knows that. I think he knows his history isn't what he was told his whole life. But I think that he's holding on to the single shred of family he had and doesn't want anything to ruin that idealized memory of him. I See, I think he is putting on a show um, based on how, mostly because of the way that he acts throughout that whole movie. Milton Douglas is a very classically amazing actor. Um, uh, and so... The rest of that movie, his performance is very subdued, and, and and that that crying sequence is so over the top that he even like bites his knuckle 
and then he mm. offers to pay him money and yeah. it's like it's like when he's he's mad when he gets there he tries to pay him off when he's like dude it's not about blackmail like you're just not who you are and you owe like a debt to somebody else's debt like you're you're reaping the benefits of the, of the murder of a child and then he tries to then put on a show and cry and be like oh you don't talk about my dad that way you know and then it's like he's and then george C. scott's just like what the fuck ever dude like you're you're just kind of garbage and oh i thought like, cold he is with the whole thing though he's like here's the tape i don't even have a copy of it here is the uh the amulet or the medallion or whatever i'm fucking peacing you're a, you're adopted <laughs> no yeah and he's just like and i think that's what it is is like i have the same sort of like look at it that george c scott's character does and that whole thing is that he's very like i think he's so exhausted by the refusal of it and then like i said like him putting on this show of like this these, these like crocodile tears and then he's just kind of like you know what man like i like you said he's cold there's not a time for this shit like like you you know what i'm talking about or else you wouldn't be calling me to come over here he does say you know that I mean? like he does you've say, avoided like... me this whole time you threatened a cop and all these other things and then you call me to come to your house in the yeah. middle of the night also and like how he's like why are you here <laughs> yeah he's like you why know, are you here he's like, like well you uh you i have a, a reason to believe you have some idea why i'm here if i'm if your security let me into this room yeah he's like you had me like a car come get me and bring me to this house like you know what i mean it's like that's what i'm saying is the whole time it's like he doesn't he never and, um, gives me a hint that he doesn't know the only th- the only um, other line that i could say is like i he says like I've dealt with people like you my entire life. Like, I just think that he, like, he's a senator, and naturally, he's probably done some shady shit. Um, probably has, like, a fucked up past. Although, like, he is constantly bringing up just things of, like, this, uh, his family and, uh, like, the metal. The metal definitely does have meaning to him because, like, he's, he's familiar think, with it. Do quick poll of everybody here. Do we think Mitch McConnell is a murder well changeling baby oh hell yeah are you <laughs> kidding me absolutely i just think i mean i just think he's like the antichrist personally well, like um he was swapped out with those... damien yeah, yeah it, exactly. they dumped he's... the the real mitch mcconnell deep into the well and pulled <laughs> the antichrist no, out of the earth <laughs> the reason that's so funny that you guys bring that up is i saw like a, like an instagram thing i've got a, it's a it's a line from the omen um and it's like uh, Gregory Peck talking to David Warner, and David Warner says, "I'm pulling it up." It says, "So the devil's child will rise from the world of politics." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. I was like, "I was like, <laughs> if people watched more horror movies, they would have seen Trump coming." Because like you know, in in uh, Omen Three, the final you know conflict, like the, Damien Thorne in that is Trump. Like he's. The Republican that everybody falls on, everybody knows Wait. why he has like a red tie. Like it's the Omen bizarre. three is about politics. Yeah, so in the Omen three, Damien is in his father's previous role, which is the ambassador to the UK from um, the United States. Gotta watch and shit. and he runs for president. Oh my god, and, that sounds amazing! And the whole movie is about that. This is approaching the time in like the Book of Revelations where like the Nazarene will the Nazarene child will appear, which is the Christ child to, to end 
the Antichrist's reign. And so the whole movie is him using his influence and his following and all this other stuff to try to get people to locate where the Nazarene child is going to be born so that they can kill it and he doesn't have to worry about being stopped. Oh, shit, man. I, that yeah, sounds that amazing, movie's, actually. The movie's fucking incredible, dude. And Sam Neill is grown up Damien in it. God, it was good. Gotta watch those movies. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think all three of those movies are just fantastic, especially the, the third one that gets, like, no love. uh okay so he's made that whole speech at the um at the senator's place and he goes back as he's been there claire arrived at the house and the house is having a fit with claire um it's luring her up into the attic using uh john's voice and she gets up there and the the wheelchair starts to chase her throughout the house Jesse lost his shit when we watched this. This is where I became not entirely convinced this movie wasn't a satire. <laughs> like, oh, when like the wheelchair chases no. her. Yes. Stuff like that. My yes. favorite, the thing about this, like, she falls on the stairs and the wheelchair falls on the stairs too. The next shot is George C. Scott, like, coming up to grab her. I thought that was the fucking wheelchair just coming up to her to grab her. Like, for a second, like, I thought that. And just being like, boop, you know. Like, he's I'm dressed, sorry. he's got the same, like, color scheme that he's wearing with his trench coat as the wheelchair. Like, I just thought, I was like, I'm like, hey, I'm coming. <laughs> that that part is, like, a thing that scared me when I was a kid, and then as an adult, it just doesn't play. No. Um, but... I think I, I think it's a terrifying concept, but it was not executed well. Yeah, I, I think, think you know, I think it works. I just think the way that it's cut together doesn't make a lot of sense, and I don't really understand. That's one thing about it that I'll agree. Like, I don't understand it going after Claire unless at this point it's just vengeful and it's piss. I think that's um, the case. Right? Yeah, like, I he, also like, don't what's understand. What's strange it. about that is, is like he shouldn't be vengeful at Claire at this point because George C. Scott has gone. To like he's like when he comes in from that, it's after he's left Carmichael's house. Yeah, Claire's the one that's actually wanting to talk. Like she wanted to get the police involved. Yeah. She, well, yeah. Here's yeah. the thing too is that he says he was stuck upstairs in his room, but then this wheelchair just thumpity thump thump thump. Dude, he's going to other houses. Stairs. He caused a guy to wreck his car. This guy can go places. He showed yeah. up at a place yeah. as a gnome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, John takes Claire outside, goes back in to confront the ghost, um, and then in the house essentially Ben Tramers itself. Mm-hmm, catches on fire. And we I love see... this, like, using Ben Tramer as a verb thing. <laughs> <laughs> it started back when we started co- when we covered Halloween 2, and it's just anytime that there's like a person explodes or something spontaneously combusts, yeah. it's a Ben Tramer. Because, like, you know, that, <laughs> just to talk about that for a second, like, <laughs> that part, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Like that, that has never made any sense, and it's also like horrifically brutal, considering it does nothing for the plot. So uh, how like, we in a franchise loves an inexplicable explosion. We we have oh, a theory. Oh, hundred fucking percent. Yeah, we have a theory from uh, after watching Halloween three that Ben Tramer was one of the androids from Halloween three because they all like to mm-hmm. just explode themselves. Yeah, one of the nerds. That's actually thoughts. not that weird of an idea. I, I'm just saying, man. They planted it right there. Yeah, because that's what they do the whole time is they do like self-immolation, is that, and then they they, um, and they all look. It's all the same actor like playing them and all that stuff. Yeah, and uh, also uh, like speaking of Halloween three, I was watching like Edgar Wright's The World's End the other night, and if you guys haven't watched that in a while, go watch that and go, Jesus Christ, dude! How much of Halloween three is in this fucking movie? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
It was that's bizarre. Uh, anyway. No, I need to watch that because that's like a part of the trilogy of Shaun of the Dead. It's the right? final of the Cornetto, Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a yeah, good boy. I am, I am. Okay. Oh, People waking up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I we mentioned accent. Edgar Wright like four times now, and no, I, I resisted we, the urge. We were watching now. the uh, the Shutter, um, 100 and one or 100 scariest movie moments. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He he's yeah. like a talking head in that so many times, and then we kind of started trying to do English accents based off of him, and it's just kind of. Well, he's also yeah. got one of the best English accents. Like his is so like. His is so thick, and we are so bad at accents, and then we've just kind of started parodying ourselves. But we keep using Edgar Wright as the name that we use when we do it. It's because he was talking so much in that (laughs) series. He's like, oh, I'm Edgar Wright, and this is what I think about this movie. Yeah, yeah, he's always like... That's my accent. Yeah, he's always like, yeah, yeah, I get that totally. I I get that with like accents because I was watching. If you guys haven't seen it, that movie, The Stranger, on Netflix with Joel Edgerton and Sean Harris, um, it's really good. But it's Australian, and so mm. the whole movie is Australian accents. And I was like, you know, Australian accents are so cool sounding. Like I wish I had one. I can't. Like, I feel like I'd be such. Mm-hmm. Like, I can only do like certain words, like because they always say like. Like instead of desk, they say like disc. Disc. So yeah. Like, oh, like, they have all the disc, you know, and it's like it always cracks me up. But like I was just sitting there going, like I feel like I'd be a more interesting person with an Australian accent. Everybody would. I mean, that yeah. I think that's part of the reason I like Wentworth more than Orange Is the New Black, just because their it's accents Australian. sound way cooler. I'm like, yeah. this is a way more intense prison situation. Yeah, Wolf Creek yeah, is actually like a very boring like, movie. It's just, <laughs> like, you know, like you know, Green Street hooligans, like that. They're all just these Cockney, like so yeah. like, they sound so cool, you know. Uh, anyways, so um, the, the house senator, burns down. Yeah, well, the senator is like also <laughs> still in his office, and he's like shaking uncontrollably while looking at a painting of his dad. Um, and then at the same time, he's at the house, just kind of like there, and he walks upstairs as the house is falling apart. And he goes up to the attic, and when he's up there, I uh, I think he sees the whole scene mm-hmm. of the drowning happening. So um, he's confronting that. Um, and then it explodes for yeah. whatever yeah. reason. I don't understand why it explodes. Because, because reasons. He, yeah, they needed or, him to be vaporized. Yeah, but back in his mansion, he has a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah, I always viewed that as like what we see in the mansion is like his spirit, like before death, and then like his practical death is occurring. You know, yeah, like in the right. World. And I, I always think it's funny too, because like the fact that like The Shining came out the same year, is that you know in the in the movie The Shining, Jack freezes to death in the in the maze, but in the book, the the overlook explodes because oh, really? yeah, so like you know more shit being exposed to me. So, well, books. yeah. So one of the things about that that is a big point in the the book is like that the boiler of the hotel needs to be like, have the pressure released every so often. And yeah, that's one of the main reasons the Torrance family is there. It's totally, it's like (laughs) the reason the the Torrances are there. It's like everything else could be done, but they need to maintain this so that the the building doesn't freeze over and all this other stuff. And, and that the, because they cheaped out and never replaced this, this ancient boiler. And so that's like the whole point of the ending of the shining is that that's Jack's last sort of, 
that's that, god man we could talk about that all fucking day i'm not even gonna go there but like yeah, we're gonna be talking about that in a couple of weeks because <laughs> because the, they miss it in the movie which is that like jack isn't a piece of shit he he is an alcoholic he has trauma he's made mistakes he also can shine and all this other stuff and that you know in that moment when he's able to free his mind from the ghost of the hotel he intentionally lets the pressure boil like boil up in the boiler to destroy the hotel so that his family can get out mm-hmm. and it's like to me that's such a pivotal piece uh, and it's it's weird though because like i love the shining in the movie you know it's so, so different like, the ending is completely but different. it's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and it's it's but it's trippy that the house in the changeling explodes with no real reason reason but it, but it ends the way that the shining is supposed to <laughs> <You know? laughs> which came out for us oh, yeah, yeah no never mind obviously the shining was written because the shining movie came out this year i, I forgot that i chose that as one of the movies that came out yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, that's why i keep going back to that because i'm yeah. just like oh yeah i kind of forget that they're both like those 80s movies that, that are in eight, 1980 but they're still close enough to the 70s that you could swear it was made in like 76 or something you know? yeah uh, okay, so the house burns down. Um, everybody's gone. I guess um, John has moved on. He he's like, I've done my part with this. I'm fucking done with it. I'm moving on to a cabin, maybe smaller houses <laughs> yeah. for me for the rest of my life. Yes. And then yeah, gets... like I'm gonna move into a new house where nobody's died. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna <laughs> like move a new build. build. Yeah. But it's like yeah, I'm gonna build and I'm gonna research and make sure that there's no pet cemetery. Yeah, like I'm probably no when to go. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to pull a poltergeist and move into a house that was built on a cemetery that they'd only moved the headstones, you know, like all that shit. He was like, I just want brand new property. Um, but the Slab shot... foundation. So there yeah. is no yeah. well. <laughs> the ending yeah. shot yeah. is the music box and it plays the song and I have to feel so bad for Joseph because I, I feel, feel like, like yeah, Joseph's okay. ghost now doesn't have a home. Like, exactly. He's like, wolf <laughs> shit, man. Like, I, he's, He's like at least I saw my music box. I know that I'm thinking like I mean he didn't nut, he but that's like post nut clarity right there. He's like, ah oh, fuck. I just I yeah. fucked this whole thing up. Like I don't have a place yeah, to Yeah, he's uh, like, well, I guess I'll just fucking hang out in this music box or something yeah. for a while. But like but then like that He becomes the music box that they use in Cabin in the Woods to trigger. Mm. So he does he goes to the mm-hmm. cabin that Yeah We've just wrote our sequel. Yes! Yes. <laughs> yeah, we were connecting like the like the the version of like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but like a whole version. <laughs> it's either that or it's the music box and the Conjuring that the fucking kid uses. Yeah. On. Um, okay, listen. I respect all the reasons you like this movie. I get your perspective. I still don't like it. I'm keeping it at yeah. a two. I did not have a good time with it. I enjoyed talking about it. Um, I think it was a fun discussion, but um, I, I, yeah, I have no desire respect, to revisit this movie. Uh, I, I respect not enjoying it um, just as much because it's also, I don't know, I like you said, I think like discussing the movie is, is almost as fun as anything. Yeah, it's, it's more fun to do that than it is to just walk around with this opinion that like you're <laughs> infallible and like you're like, I like it, therefore everybody must, do you know what I mean? Because it's like... Like I said earlier, there's shit that, like, I'm sure somebody's like, you don't like that movie? And I'm like, fuck no, dude. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the stuff with the new Halloweens, like, everybody was yeah. just yeah. on and on and on about how good they were. And I was fuck. Like, okay, no, I'm, I, I'm, I was I'm, like, I'm just not tapped into the Halloween culture, I guess, because I, I only really dig 
one, two, and like H2O. Halloween is a separate entity. Halloween is my favorite series of all time. And I, um, after finishing the trilogy of the newest series, my opinion is shifting all over the place. Um, but we're covering those now. I'm saving my opinions on those until we cover those. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So what's your final, are you keeping yours at an eight for this? Yes. Okay. I, um, I would almost like the only way it's going is, is like, I might bump it up more after talking about certain aspects of it strictly based on, how fucking like influential this movie is on the haunted house subgenre. You can like, bump it if you want to. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole I, reason I we know. do a second rating. After. Yeah. We do post discussion ratings. It's not a huge bump. I'll do, I'll do like an eight and a half on it um, okay. because there are, there are things that like we've talked about that I'm like, yeah, I get why that doesn't work and why it prevents it from being like a, a nine or a 10. You know what I mean? Um, but there's enough about it that, I, I would bump it to an eight and a half just in terms of like how much it's been replicated over the years in other movies. Um, I think I'm going to bump mine just a little bit too, to a 5.5. Um, like I still feel very much mid on this movie, but um, having talked to, you know, having actually discussed it, I think I understand some things a little bit better now. Like at first I didn't really understand why Joseph was getting so mad, but then you guys mentioned that he just wanted his story out there and told and nobody was, gonna tell his story so that's why he threw his tantrum and exploded the house um, well and it's why the, the it's weird because the ring is so influenced by it but it's what the ring does better whether ringu or the ring does better is that the the premise that there is no escaping it that you have to just keep making duplicates of this tape and making people watch it and sort of constantly tell her that story, you know, tell that story. Uh, and it's, it's much more like explanatory of it. I think it does a better job, like with exposition in terms of like how <clears throat> this is being manipulated and stuff. And um, that one, um, the girl is just a little asshole. Like, that's just what it boils down to. She's, well, I mean, she also got, she got so, fucked over. Like, yeah. She got fucked over so bad by her own fucking parents too. Man. Yeah. It's like, and this one I hear Joseph is just mad because nobody wants he didn't like his story's not getting out there. I get it now. I think yeah. I would like this movie if it was paced a little better. Or if I agree it had with that. higher tension. I would agree or with something. that. Totally. Like I just there's something off about it where I, I, I see the bones of a good story. It it's my bloated. mom my mom's gonna laugh when she hears this, but it makes me think of the book All the King's Men that I had to read in high school and I fucking hated it because it was so poorly written. But I loved the story behind it. Mm-hmm. I just wish somebody else had written it. Okay. And that's kind of how I feel about this movie. Because it's got a lot of the type of shit I like. It's got hauntings. It's an isolation horror. Mm. I love those types of things. It's got corrupt politicians. All the makings of great stuff. But it just, it doesn't pack quite the punch I want. I get you. Yeah. I get you. I agree with a lot of that. Our average did go up to 5.3. Five point three. So. That's like a. That's the most strange score that we've had on here. It's yet. fine. No, that's fine. I like it. I like shaking it up a little bit. Um. So, Talia immediately wanted to go out as soon as we started the movie, and then she got scared in her sleep while we were watching Dude. it. She her hackles raised she while got like a, while she was asleep. She got a mohawk like in her sleep. I, I've never seen that in my life. Yeah. Oh wow. So she, she was she was spooked. I think Talia is gonna give this a uh, um, 
No, because there's no dogs or anything, okay. so I think that ruins it for some. I think she's going to give it a seven. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, it almost might make it better for her because there's, no, there's no dog death. Yeah, the last movie we watched, a dog got stomped to death. Yeah, she didn't like that. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, Zoe. American Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Zoe cuddled up with Scout and watched this movie, and Scout groomed her. So yeah. they had a cute little moment. So Zoe did watch it. And Scout did too. Scout, Scout's a big fan of child murder. And if ghosts. you've got kids getting murdered in movies, Scout wants to come watch it with you. Scout's like, <laughs> Scout's like Pet cemetery. He's just sitting there like that That scene, that slow-mo when Gage is running out the road. Like, yeah, <laughs> so she just rewinds it and watches it on repeat. Slow-mo. She's just looking at you guys going, man, when that bloody shoe rolls in slow motion, it's, <laughs> you're like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, chef's kids. <laughs> okay, um, who did everybody relate to in this? Um... I related to Claire. Her reaction to a lot of things, I think, was uh, the right reaction. Okay. I'm going to relate to um, his daughter because um, I like playing with, like, bouncy balls. Dude, have you never done that? That's some of the most fun you'll have in your life. He did that. Oh, um... no. It totally is, yeah. I, I think my sister may have resented him a little bit because when they first moved into their new house, um, our niece, who was like just turned two at the time, got this little toy. It was like this little ball that you could turn on and it would like shake and light up. And he taught her how to throw it across multiple <laughs> rooms and go running after it. And I was like, Morgan is going to hate you because Carson did it four months after the fact. <laughs> You're That's welcome, funny. Morgan. <laughs> uh, what about you, Mike? Who'd you relate to? I, I think Claire the whole time. <laughs> um, mostly just because of her. We're, to me, we're just, you know, seeing that, that, that we're discovering everything her with her. And I think her <laughs> initial responses to the things are much more um, in line with, like, my sort of emotional response to it than john's his is a little bit more like callous because of what he's been through and he's like on a mission and she's very much like um just along for the ride just being like jesus christ that happened and she you know to you know jesse's point she's the more logical one because she's like yeah. just fucking kill the cops <laughs> yeah well like that that part then, right after but then he's he... you know political paranoia and he's like they own the cops you know and he kind of like loses his mind about yeah. it it's hilarious but well well he makes her listen to the tape and he's had all of this time to process it um and she's like shell shocked and he's like so here's what we need to do she's like can you give me a fucking minute yeah yeah she's like no like she's like i just watched a boy drowned to death (laughs) which furthers my like reasoning that the auditory experience of that like feeds them a visual somehow because of like her response to it too like he looks like he's gonna fucking vomit she looks like she just found out her 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 you know goldfish died like and so it's like it's uh it's just kind of weird uh okay so for dream sequel i think we already figured out but like let's let's redo it so um he moves to a cabin because he doesn't want to deal with big homes anymore Mm -hmm. um joseph is like no dude this shit's not over with and he goes to the cabin Bring some music box there. 
something yeah, happens. Yeah, and then with it ties the, into Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, they that's the cabin that they go to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is the on. dream sequel like connecting to like an existing movie? No, like, not so, always. No, yeah, it's just um, I mean, just what we think would be a fun follow up to this. It doesn't have to be anything good as long as it's like it can be like you can have a movie like The Changeling, and then you can make the sequel like the campiest fucking movie ever. Yeah, right? just as long as it's fun. I I almost think it'd be funny as if he looks for this like career change and gets out of where he's at, and he moves back to the East Coast, and because of his experience solving the the mystery of this kid, he becomes a detective in Georgetown, Virginia. And uh, ends up the Exorcist. Exorcist three. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, I, I like that. And his not natural inclination to like supernatural experiences and becoming a detective in the process is then routed into the Exorcist. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I like that. You need to watch that movie, by the way. That's a that's a great movie. God, Exorcist is so fucking tight, man. Skip two. Yeah. <laughs> Skip the heretic. Ugh. Uh, I've never watched that one. Yeah, he's made me watch that one fucking scene in The Exorcist three about half a dozen. The times, scene though. with the uh, in the hallway yes. where like with the, the uh, with the head clippers. Yes, yes, that's yeah. the best fucking thing. Um, that yeah. part and the and then the part when something's crawling on the ceiling. That's, yeah, anytime that happens in that movie, I'm like every time like God, that's horrifying. That's also, so awful. That's Brad Dwarf too. So ah, uh, Chucky. Yeah. Oh yeah, Brad Dwarf is uh is the, the serial the, killer, the Gemini, the Gemini killer that yeah. is masquerading as uh, Father Karras from the first one. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a uh, internet review here. Okay. Um, so I wanted to go with a negative one because obviously most people love this movie. Okay. So I want to shed some more negative opinions for this, but I wanted to get one that was you know obviously not just shitting on. Yeah. It. Um, that's not the point of this yeah and this one kind of aligns with a lot of the things that you said so it's uh it's called boring ghost story george c scott is very good in this lousy horror movie his (laughs) wife and daughter have been killed in a car accident not shown i think it was shown um (laughs) like did did he mean we like we didn't see their dead bodies like Like, they didn't actually run (laughs) you didn't see that whole fucking horrible thing that makes everybody cry (laughs) Uh, he's living in a big empty mansion trying to deal with it. However, he's not alone. Things move around by themselves and he realizes there's a ghost there. This realization leads him to uncovering some dark secrets in the past and someone will kill him for revealing them. Dull ghost story. What? I don't know. I think that he D- missed the point where, of this. Were death threats ever a part of this? I think he thinks that Joseph, yeah, Joseph is like, don't get it out there. Like, Don't tell my story. Um, all right. Dull ghost story. Good acting aside. There's nothing here. The plot is predictable and pretty dull stuff. Also, the scare scenes are abysmal. There's one part when a woman is being chased around an empty by a, an empty wheelchair. <laughs> now, really, how is that supposed to be scary? When I saw it, people were rightfully laughing. The R rating is way off. There's no swearing, nudity, sex, or gore in this movie. I uh, like this guy's taste <laughs> in horror movies. <laughs> I heard it got the R because you see a young boy being drowned to death in a bathtub, but it's not explicit. Even looks uh, fake. No, I disagree. That one that is exc- pretty explicit. What does this guy want for? What in a death scene? He wants scene? like a legitimate snuff, like yeah. a snuff movie. Like he wanted to see these people actually get ran over at the beginning. He was like the mod of watch which people just, die before it got shut down on Reddit. <laughs> yeah, which is like the subjectivity of horror fans because like I like I'm the opposite where I'm like 
I, I, I'm very like into the idea of like theater of the mind. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I like that too. That you can't see because it's very, to me, it's like the analogy of like, the thing I always try to say is I was like, if you, if you watch a horror movie and you want to see every single thing, it's the equivalent of hearing a noise in your house and turning the light on immediately. And yeah. then you're like, Oh, no monsters here. Bye. Like, and, and then you're done. But if you have to find a flashlight or use your phone or something, and then, go through the house not knowing every little thing and, and, and uncovering things as you walk through it to finally have the realization that something's not in the house, then that's that's so much more terrifying because you can't see anything. Absolutely. Going on. There was and, one time our power went out. Ah, uh, yeah. And our Roomba has to be on as it's on the charging station. So when the power went out, it thought it was off the charging station and it started bumping around in this room. Only we forgot that the Roomba was in here. And so the power goes out and immediately there's this thumping happening. And Travis is like, well, I'm going to be the horror movie person and go explore the sound. I did the dumbest fucking thing. No, you know how you watch horror movies? You're like, nobody's that fucking dumb. I was that dumb. I didn't go get the flashlight. I grabbed a fucking (laughs) matchbox and I lit a match. You grab a lighter. We have like five lighters and you went with a match. I was walking through the hallway with the fucking match. And like, not even, not even like your cell phone to like no, flash no. I grabbed the fucking match. I was like, I gotta use the match. And the thing is, movies make it look like matches give off a lot of light. No, like it was so fucking dark, and uh, it burned out by the time I got to the door. <laughs> so I just opened up the door, and then yeah, it was. I'm about to say a match is just a little tiny piece of kindling. Like yeah. a natural burn in like 20 seconds. Like I, 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 that was the moment that I realized no people in horror movies actually act like this because yeah, like you do stupid shit yep, when you're scared. Yep. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah, because your your brain is not functioning. Like you're just like fight or flight. Like, uh, what yeah, was that? Uh, yeah, uh, light somehow match, and then you're just like, oh, why the fuck I did that? You know what I mean? It's funny. Okay, so uh, the death's not explicit. It even looks fake. This movie is just simply a slow-moving and boring ghost story. There are plenty of much better ghost movies out there. See The Haunting, 1962, if you want hey. to see a scary ghost movie. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I, it's got good bones mm-hmm. to be all HGTV about it. Um, yeah. I just... I, I think everything together doesn't work for me personally. And I don't necessarily need everything to be explicit. I just, I feel like the tension never quite reaches that like fever pitch that I want yeah. in a haunting movie. I respect that. I um, I think it's weird that, that that reviewer was like, watch The Haunting instead. And I was like, that's a lot of similarities. I know, yeah. <laughs> like, seeing and all that other stuff. And I, I agree that The Haunting is just like a seminal haunted house movie. It's another that I put in my like top five, like The Haunting or... Um, like the innocence or something but um it is kind of funny uh in that regard <clears throat> to, to say like you don't like the changeling but that the haunting is yeah. better <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um, different strokes i guess you know yeah and that's what's fun about it yeah, yeah. okay i've got some uh listener reviews all right from uh twitter and that's just, just twitter nobody on oh. instagram has said anything yeah okay. i posted this very early by the way i did this like three hours ago so if you Give us a review later. I'm sorry if I miss it. Um, but first off, we have Robert Atone okay. chiming in. He says, Masterpiece, arguably the best haunted house movie of all time. Scott's performance is natural, electrifying. There's intelligence at the heart of this one that a lot of haunted house movies don't have. Shame Peter Maddock didn't spend more time in the genre. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have David Ritchie says, love it. Um, a wheelchair would magically cross the stage. Oh, wait, no, 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 I'm sorry. Love it. Um, okay. This theater that he tagged used to show it every Halloween night. A wheelchair would magically cross the stage. Audience members would throw rubber balls from the balcony when the wet ball comes down the staircase. I love it. It's like Rocky Horror That's in the true. room. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have your interactive yeah. experience. Yeah. Me and my friends were there every year. Great memories. That does sound cool. I would be into that. Yeah. Uh, Remember Excellent. that time we went to go watch The Room and I wanted to wear the red dress like Lisa and you're like, nobody's going to be dressed up. And then there were multiple women in red dresses like Lisa. Yeah, but then um, <laughs> we saw Greg Sestero and he's like, you guys look cool. Well, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and now we're friends on social media. Yeah, exactly. NBD. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, next up, we have Kendra. She says, one of the absolute saddest openings ever. I agree with that. I agree too. Um, also, one of the most sad mids. I like how that sidesteps actually reviewing any of the rest of the movie, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say though that 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 opening scene and a few others um, are greatly informative to me. Like when I start a script, because I want you like I feel like that that opening gives you the tone of the movie. Yeah, it's going to be definitely and sad and kinetic at times and, and then not at others. And I, I always look at that in terms of like how much it just thrusts you into the movie. Um, and it is, yeah, you know, I, it, it sets you up to be like, Oh fuck, I'm going to be so sad for two hours. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a Mike Flanagan movie. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> Oh, he's so sad. Uh, Joe with Flyover State of Fear says, one of the great slow burn horror movies of all time. Creepy but heartbreakingly sad. Yeah. Uh, another Joe. Just Joe. Just Joe. Freakatron, Joe. <laughs> oh, Joe B. He says, uh, best movie about a haunting. I mean, I don't agree, but. I know you don't agree. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. I, I think there are better haunting movies out there i agree i think that there are better haunting movies but like if this is your favorite i can definitely understand people having this as their favorite uh and the final one i don't even know what this is uh can you read that for me what, what the fuck name is that where is it the bottom one moonlight moonlight yeah. ah yeah you're right moonlight okay the hearts are o's ah okay <laughs> <laughs> all right moonlight <laughs> Uh, good movie. Seven out, seven out of ten. I feel bad for Joseph. Joseph, uh, yeah. Joseph was a bit of an asshole at the end, too. I think you'd be an asshole, too, if you were murdered and somebody assumed your identity and uh, somebody like else calls you a known. Murder strictly because you had a disability? Yeah, that's yeah. true. You know what? Yeah, pretty he, fucked yeah, up. Out of greed? He has like, the right. That's he has the right to be an asshole. All right. That's all the reviews I got. Okay. Okay. Um, next week, oh my god, we're going in a completely tonally different direction, yeah. So, Um, because next week is is Thanksgiving, um, okay. So, let's review in November, we've had Halloween 2018, mm -hmm. we've had uh, American American Psycho, Psycho, and now we have the Changeling, and now naturally, keeping in line with that schedule, we're we're gonna talk about Thanksgiving, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, we did Blood Rage last year. That was our Thanksgiving movie. Um, so nice. we uh, we want to do another one this year. And Thanks Killing is just a fun, fun yeah movie. Um, it, currently it, available. That, yeah, like that movie starts the best. It's just that pilgrim yes. woman running through the woods, 
And that puppet is so atrocious in the fact that the first thing out of the puppet's mouth is nice tits, bitch. The, the, my, the, the DVD says uh, breasts in the first 30 seconds. Like, my absolute yeah. favorite part of it is when he is wearing the dad's face, yeah. like, and it's droopy yes. over his little turkey head. Oh and she's God. like, hi, dad, yeah. love you. I can't fucking wait to talk about this movie. Where can people watch it if um, you haven't seen it before? Currently streaming for free on Tubi, Pluto, and Voodoo. Okay, cool. Um, it's like an hour and 15 minutes. It's a short And it's movie. so stupid. Well, guys, yeah. okay. absolutely watch yeah. it. Don't go into um, this movie expecting anything no. good. This is like a movie that does not take itself seriously at all. It's just a fun time. Um, not one, not two, but three John Benet Ramsey jokes done in poor taste, oh yet God. they're all exactly the same joke. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> It's a uh, it, it, this movie knows exactly what it is. Yeah. You're you're going in for something completely distasteful. Definitely. So yeah. yeah. Um. You can, if you want to pay, you can also uh, watch it through Prime, YouTube, or Google Play. Okay, you could probably find this thing for free on YouTube if you just looked up Thanks Kill. Okay, but it's on Tubi. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, it's funny that you could pay to run it on Maybe. YouTube, and then you yeah. could probably just search it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay. That's it for this week's episode. Um, Mike, where can the people find you? Um, I guess like with the whole like Twitter thing going on right now, I'm just hanging out on Instagram. It's just missing reels. Um, and then from there, if you just go to uh, either MikeThompsonFilm.com, where a lot of my work is, or my company's website, MarqueeLouisville.com. We'll um we'll link your stuff in the uh, yeah. the show notes too, like where you want people to be directed to find your stuff. Yeah, yeah kind of one of those things you gotta be everywhere at once so yeah, <laughs> yeah. um obviously you guys know where to find us uh all the social media platforms for least favorite Scare movie podcast on instagram least fave pod on twitter for now um tiktok you know the deal with that our website's what's your least favorite scary movie.com you can email us at least favorite scary movie at gmail.com you can become a patron at patreon.com uh, i got the american psycho episode up on tuesday this week yeah, yeah. so if you're if you're subscribed, you can potentially get early episodes. Just so, a dollar. Yeah, just a dollar for that level. <clears throat> um, $5 if you want to see our show notes. $10 if you want bonus episodes where yeah. I torture Travis with emo song lyrics. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll have something else for this <laughs> th- this month, too. I'm not sure what the theme is going to be yet. Uh, no, we're... Then we are watching the unrated. Oh yeah, um, stay alive. Stay alive. Yeah, that's right. For this yeah. month's bonus episode. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you can potentially get a shout out as a patron too, like Eric and Shaken Not Scared. Uh, by the way, they mentioned the Changeling when they're talking about haunted houses on a more recent episode, and BB was like, "I've never seen it. I feel like I should see it." Um, mm. VV tread lightly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, uh, Mike, thanks again for joining yes, us. Yes, thank you so much. It's been Absolutely, a guys. fun thank talk. You for me. Yeah, super fun. I'm always down to talk horror movies. So it's been fun. All right. Well, we'll see you guys with Thanks Killing next week. Uh, yep. Until then, bye. Bye. Robert sent us a video. Glad I didn't put my headphones on yet. Well, that's okay. I feel fine with mine on. <clears throat> I'm just saying. You try oh, it's to his story. Why is Shrek there? Uh, this package is not Colombian bam bam.
<laughs> Are we just not going to talk about the Shrek? <laughs>